Um, yay, we're back. <laughs> uh, you were away for two weeks. Felt yes. like way more. It, well, it was. <laughs> more yeah. than two weeks now because my got flight stuck. got canceled. Yeah. Um, beautiful, though. Yeah, so you said you do this every year, year for the yeah. past 12 years? Yep. This is my 12th year so going to Hawaii. Family? Um, Friends? Kind of, yeah. My grandmother has a timeshare there, so um, we go once a year. Um, de- depends on who wants to go that year. Last year, it was just me and, like, my cousins my age and uh, my significant other, and this year was just, like, my great aunt and a couple of my cousins um, that are older. So I was the, <laughs> the youngest one with older people so <laughs> all the boomers yeah literally <laughs> so that was fun well it was fun i we did a lot of things i haven't done before but it wasn't like crazy like it was the year before yeah so do you go with the intention of like spending a majority of the time looking for wildlife is that like yeah I, that's like my thing every time yeah. i go i like to go snorkel i have a like a specific underwater camera thing that i got I was curious about what that was yeah does it have like strobes it doesn't like have a strobe but it does have like a red lens to help like balance mm. like the, the, the light and yeah um because it looked like you were pretty decently underwater oh yeah, where yeah like my camera probably wouldn't like yeah i think the max i went at was maybe 30 40 feet um and that's mainly just to go around, like, um, the corner to different, like, rock sections or coral yeah. sections um, on the cliffs. Uh, otherwise, it's usually, like, 10, 15 feet I maintain stay okay. at. Um, that's where you find a lot of, like, turtles, um, a lot of fish, all types of fish. That must be fun. Do they <clears> – are you, like, allowed a, a or is it – against the rules to, like, swim up and interact with, like, It's illegal. It's illegal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you need to stay at least five feet away. Okay. Like, I love the turtles, but at this point, I've gone so many times, I'm like, it's a it's a dollar, a turtle, or mm-hmm. whatever the saying is, where it's like a, a dime a dozen, yep. almost. Um, and also people, like, crowd and harass them. So the turtles can actually drown themselves if they're too, like, scared to swim back up. Mm. Um, they'll stay underneath, like, a, a rock ledge and drown themselves. So I usually don't say when I tell people when I find turtles because otherwise it's going to be harassed. And mm. um, usually if I see people already around a turtle, I don't go near it. That's sad. Yeah. It, it's one of the bummer parts of Hawaii is people don't listen, stay off the coral, and then go swim 10 feet and someone's standing on the coral and it's definitely not helping with, you know, the natural habitat. It's definitely degrading over the years. Yeah, we were talking the other day. You said there was, like, a noticeable difference between... My first, first year, and, and then, yeah. Yeah, just what, really the sad. abundance of the wildlife. Abundance of wildlife and the coral itself, too. Mm. Like, it used to be so much more widespread, larger reefs, and now it's just, like, smaller sections. And... and it, what's like the main contributor to I that think, decline? Well, fishing. Global warming 
is a big one. Um, I know there's a bunch of people that are like, oh, it's not warming, whatever. Um, but the warmer waters are killing certain coral species. People, you know, stepping on them, standing on them, breaking pieces off to, you know, take things home, you know. Um, and coral is alive? Alive. Okay. Yeah. It's not like it's, it's an organism, yeah. Um, and it takes forever for those things to grow. Uh, the aquarium down there um, actually has, like, a coral propagation program where they grow coral and then plant it out into the, the ocean, hope to rebuild some of that, you know, destructed areas. It's almost like... <clears throat> The rainforest and chopping down trees. Yeah, like chopping down the similar, trees, the like, the oil, mm-hmm. all that stuff is in the rainforest. Yeah. Antarctica, obviously melting away mm-hmm. as we speak. You know, yeah, there's I a, see lot, a of, lot of polar bears that look like they're just having a rough time. Yeah, sad. they look nasty and gross and muddy and not white. <laughs> yeah, were you scared at all going in the water? Or no. You're pretty confident. I'm pretty confident. Um, my heart rate does, you know, elevate a little bit when I see, like, um, like a couple of years ago, I saw a couple of sharks, you know, not too much, but, like, they're reef sharks. They're typically harmless. They're usually, like, six feet. But yeah, they're harmless till they <laughs> bite you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're more scared of us than we are of them. Um, usually when you see them, they swim off. Um the one of the reefs that I love going to that's being destroyed by people is um, used to have a bunch of them at the outer edge, and now you can't even find one. So, which is a bummer. But yeah, that's like super iconic. I feel if you could see a shark, like that's yeah, like, you know, like and they're so just cool. small reef sharks too, and they're not they're they're like puppies almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That's cute>. uh, <laughs> They'll follow, like, scuba divers and, like, snorkelers who are, like, they know are hunting. Uh, like, the natives there are allowed to hunt whatever they want. Mm. Um, and they have, like, fishing spears. And um, one of the times they found, like, a invasive, I forget what type of fish. Um, but he spear shot at it and, like, took it and, then like, tossed it up in, like, the water as much as you could toss something up in water. Mm-hmm. And the shark came, swam over, grabbed it, and swam off. It was pretty badass. Oh, that's awesome. You um, ever witness that? Yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, I'd be scared. <laughs> were you in the water when it? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'll stick to uh, photographing dogs. <laughs> it could be so much more fun, though, you know? Mm. Lots of stuff down there. No, it was cool, like, especially seeing, like, the eels. The eels are one of my favorites. Like, I don't know. I always, when I think of eels, like... Electric eel and stuff like that, like yeah. Freaky little I love creature. the mores. They're so beautiful, and they come in so many different, like, colorations and species and stuff like that. That's one oh, of my favorites. And you had an enc- encounter with your most hated... Oh, yeah. Jellyfish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just a baby little man of war. Um, it was a full moon. Which is why it was like in the area, um, and I was rock jumping, and oh, so does the moon affect like where they? How I th- they? I think something to do with it. I don't know the exact science of it, um, but typically full moon in Hawaii, you have to be careful of man of war jellyfish. Oh, weird creature. And it is so <laughs> weird, and it, it the waves were rough that day, so it was hard to get, like, a steady shot of it because I'm getting crashed a million times, and I'm, like, trying to stay away, and I'm getting pushed towards it, and 
Um, I, I was rock jumping from that area. So I was like, if I jump, I'm going to land on this. So I ended up moving it with my, I took my mask off and like mm. scooped it up <laughs> like a, like a bucket almost. And oh, like, okay. so it was real small. Cause when, yeah, it, war, it, I think like... it was like maybe like this big. Okay. And then the tentacle itself was maybe like six to nine inches long, not mm. tentacle, but the stinger. <laughs> It still managed to get me, though. Um, It left a little nasty burn there. But otherwise, it it stung for... And my arm was numb and tingly at the same time, which is weird. But um, I looked it up, and it said I was fine, so... (laughs) But that's cool that, like... Ooh, they're coming for you, bad boys. I know. That's cool that you can come, like, face-to-face with, like, your quote-unquote fear yeah biggest feared animal or whatever and just like handle it like a boss <laughs> like if i yeah if it was chimp- bigger i probably would have just been like okay i'm i guess i'm not rock jumping today yeah. so <laughs> that's cool though. but it was a smaller one so i was like I, I think i can handle this and there was like little kids around i'm like someone's gonna sw- not see this and know what it is and just like mm. pick it up or swim into it and do they uh is the shock uh, a defensive mechanism so it's like, not really defense. It's more like um, it's just how like it just it's so hard to explain because jellyfish are so weird. Mm-hmm. But it's if fish get stuck in it and it digests and you know kills the fish that way. Almost like a what's that plant? The Venus flytrap. How it just kind of rots in its. Yeah, kind of. Like yeah, kind of gets stuck and just. Uh, well, the. The, whatever they're releasing, I believe, is, like, breaking down the fish. Mm. And it, like, absorbs oh, so the fish. Quicker, yeah. Quicker process. I think it's like... quicker. Um, the fish get stuck in, like, I keep saying tentacles, but it's not tentacles. Mm. There's there's probably some fancy term or something. I just can't think of it. This <laughs> um, works for me. I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> about. Um, and, like, it, a jellyfish itself is, like organisms almost um the way they exist and that's why they like freak me out so much it's like they how do you exist where's your brain where's your heart where's your you know where's anything (laughs) they're just like a trash bag in the water you know (laughs) (laughs) it's true and that's why turtles eat trash bags and suffocate because they eat jellyfish some species and they look similar. It's a thing to think favorite about. Favorite type of turtle, right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It, I I do have to say that I've seen online quite a few efforts of people putting into like cleaning the ocean, which makes yeah. me happy because I know that isn't there some like Texas sized like Probably. trash heap out in I w- the I would believe of, it. Yeah, it's crazy. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. We're disgusting mm-hmm. as a species. <laughs> yeah, so. we. Ugh, we've ruined the world. Uh, but yeah, today, I guess, uh, <laughs> you know, welcome back. Yeah. Sounds like you had a fun, fun two weeks. And you had a fun weekend too? Yeah. Sled dog racing. It was my first, it was the first one uh, with snow. Yeah. Which. Those photos came out really nice. Yeah. So <clears throat> initially, my friend Ashley, uh, who I went to the first one with, she was 
planning on going with her friends Steve and Dawn, who own like 23. I think they just had five puppies. So oh my like goodness, 20, so a lot. 28 huskies. <laughs> oh. It's it's crazy. Uh, 28 too many for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they've got like, I don't even know, like expansive land like you wouldn't yeah. believe. They run the dogs with an ATV every day. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's real cool. But so... So someone who's actually set up to actually keep huskies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not they don't have twenty three and it, it's like this awful neglectful yeah. situation. They're they're really good. So last year I guess there was like way too much snow, and their trailer got stuck because mm-hmm. the trailer is carrying. They don't bring twenty three dogs, but they bring. He runs an eight dog team, a six dog team, and then Ashley runs a. S- six or four dog team mm-hmm. so i mean that's it's a decent you know, amount right there. <laughs> right there so the trailer needs to hold 20 dogs yeah sleds or in the case of the last race uh like these big land rigs with yeah. like wheels <laughs> so he's got a huge trailer i guess last year it got stuck in the snow and it was a real pain in the butt oh trying to get home or yeah, yeah. so uh they initially when they we saw the snow forecast they were like, yeah, we're not going to go anymore. And I was like, damn, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, what, what can you do? But then it ended up that it seeming like Saturday. All right, I'm not going to drive up because we got nailed. Yeah. I mean, I was outside like four or five times. My dad dropped off a broken <laughs> snowblower for me. And I threw my back out. <laughs> oh, using, my God. <laughs> only one wheel was working. And then that one <laughs> failed, too. So oh. it was a nightmare. Um. But then on Sunday it was supposed to be like sunny and beautiful, so it's yeah. like, all right, um, try that. Let me let me think about it. I said so so after the snow, or like during the snow, they were like, yeah, we're not getting much. Like we're probably gonna go. Uh, and that was on like Friday. So then Sunday comes, Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I'm like turning my car on, and Ashley met. Hey, we're not going. I'm like, what? <laughs> I guess she heard that the, like the. I don't know, parking lot wasn't plowed or whatever. And so they didn't want to get stuck. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm still, I got the gear loaded up, which took three minutes. That's not a big deal. But I really wanted to do it f- for me as yeah. well. Like like the first race, I wanted to go get pictures for her and experience yeah. it. And now uh, it was like, well, whether or not you're going, like, I really want to get these yeah, pictures. Yeah. Like, like, it's it's snow, they're on sleds, it's real. Like, not that that wasn't real the last time, but it's, like, real sled dog racing. So, yeah. I'm, like, I'm going no matter what. Yeah. There's snow on the ground, so Yeah. So, this one good. was longer. Ten miles. Um, the last one was two miles, which was a sprint. So, this one, they went out, did a loop, and mm-hmm. then came back. And I didn't realize that I should have – I got a – plan ahead better that's one thing i've learned uh so i got my gear set up a little bit down the trail mm-hmm. video camera and then i had my photo camera best way to get shots is gonna be to get low yeah you gotta get if you're shooting down at the dog it like it looks weird it, it changes that sort of perspective yeah. yeah whereas if you get that eye level low shot like yeah they look bigger they look just like they pop you yeah know? and so it's like all right the the trail i've got to stay off the trail obviously because they're they're running yeah so i gotta go to the side of the trail 
well, they just got snow, so I was basically waded off the side of the trail, waist <laughs> deep in snow, and just laid in the snow. Ugh. They let, I think it was nine teams uh, with like a minute or two between uh, starts. Mm-hmm. So, And then are they just timing how long it takes them to do the 10 mile? Back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so from the parking lot to the start, it, was, it wasn't far. It was like maybe a couple hundred mm-hmm. feet. But an ATV pulled the teams down mm-hmm. um, to the start. Then they hooked it up to the sled. And then off they went. So that process was nine teams times, let's say, two minutes. So like 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's when I should have went to my car and warmed up. Yeah. <laughs> because they're doing 10 miles. Right and in my head, sad. I'm not. I'm not. Com- so I sat there for about an hour, oh freezing God. like <laughs> any second now, <laughs> any se- half an hour later, any second now. Finally, yeah, you know that here they come. Uh, but it it was incredible. Like mm-hmm. uh, what was cool about this versus like the the land race was. By the end of it, because the front dogs, like every dog in front of you is kicking the snow. Yeah. They all, like all their faces were covered in frost. <laughs> they just looked like the tongs. Intense, the yeah. I loved it. Um, and I met some really great people as well. So like, let me take a nice big swig real quick because, because I've been dealing with a little bit of annoying... So I've been getting flack for for suggesting that we do not yell at dogs. And mm-hmm. I met a musher, a British woman, Lydia, who is extremely soft and sweet, and she just talks to her dogs. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was amazing seeing she won the race. Um, she started third and came in first. That's crazy. But she's very adamant because some mushers i mean you can really hear them screaming like from like it's like (laughs) yeah you're making me feel a little but she's so quiet she just whispers commands to them and they're amazing and she's very so all weekend i was like battling in my head like am i the idiot am i am i wrong like for hold it but then she kind of made me feel better reinforced that like no yeah and she commented like you know I love your advocating for for dogs. And so it just, it was a great day. It was a great experience. I met a lot of great people. So like, that's why I want to keep going back to those events and doing like free photography. Like, I don't care about making money from them because it's not about that. You know, like. It's about the dogs. Yeah. For me, I wanted to go up and just get those pictures for me. Yeah. It was like completely selfishly mode. Like once Ashley was like, we're not going, it's just like, well, I'm going because I want these pictures, <laughs> you know, but of course I'm going to share them. Yeah. But it's I an experience. Wanted, I wanted them. Yeah. Um, so I think the next race is Laconia, but that's supposed to be like a serious, like very yeah. uh, highly competitive. So it's like, maybe I'll go there and maybe make some, some money. Yeah, maybe. Know, who, who knows? So. <laughs> Yeah, I had fun. Uh, it's always a pleasure giving back to the dog community. Actually, February 12th, 
at Barrel House Z in Weymouth. They're hosting a couple, like, vendors of, like, doggy, like, one lady, one woman makes, like, uh, poop bag carriers. That's cute. Uh, a couple little, like, things like that. There's going to be a character artist, and there's going to be three rescue slash shelters. Um, so this is a brewery, 6,000 square feet inside. That's crazy. I'm going to go and do the photos of like all the people meeting all the rescues and so it should be a really good event so if you're in the area of weymouth uh february 12th at barrel house z so yeah just events like that that just i love giving back that way it just makes me feel so good i don't know (laughs) i love it anyway uh so we're here today to talk about good vets bad vets they do exist. It's Sadly. reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and how you can maybe identify if you're getting taken care of properly. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, so, that's a good way. Yeah. Um, I so think. You're going to obviously have way more, or you're going to have all the knowledge here. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to be picking your brain. I mean, you have some experience yeah. too. You take your vet, dogs to the vet, right? Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Things to consider when you first start looking um, is, you know, for your personal knowledge is what to look for. Um, Obviously, check to see if there's a breed specific or breed group specific doctor for your breed. That's always super helpful if you get a vet that knows your specific breed or mixed breed. Um, Is it common for vets to be, like, versed in particular breeds yes. obviously you're probably versed in borzois right? <laughs> yeah. you own them yeah um same with doctors they some doctors love certain breeds more than others so they start to specialize or you know just you know really only see that one breed um how can you find that out if if say they don't necessarily like advertise it yeah, so Just call and ask, you can call, ask if they have any breed-specific doctors. You can Facebook is a good place to you know get recommendations. So always get a recommendation or get do inquiries into the hospital, read their reviews too. That's super important. Um, but Facebook, you can Google it too. Um, one of my doctors is a bulldog. She loves bulldogs. Um, she specializes in bulldogs. Um, and has owned them and cared for them and bred them for longer than I've been alive. So <laughs> um, she she knows her stuff for bulldogs, which, um, you know, you go to a normal vet, they may not know as much right. um, for that specific breed and their requirements. Uh, so always check that out. And like I said, get personal recommendations. So talk to, you know, people who've gone there. So go on Facebook, be like, go to one of the, you know, local groups be like, hey, has anyone used this vet clinic before? What was your experience? Get, you know, you want to learn for yourself as well. Read the reviews, like I said. Um, there's always reviews, usually positive and negative, And you got to take everything with like kind of a grain of salt for the reviews because some people are angry that they didn't get their way when it I couldn't have been possible. I personally love the three and four star reviews. Yeah. I feel like they're usually a little more like on it like a lot of yeah. the one stars it's just like half the time it's just like oh, yeah couldn't get me no in my dog has a broken <laughs> leg and it's a primary care but they couldn't fix my dog's leg you know some stupid stuff like that mm-hmm. um so take a grain of salt with that 
Um, and then also inquire the, about the doctor's approach. So when you call to schedule an appointment, you know, be like, are they a holistic type vet? Are they, you know, old school, conservative, or, um, you know, are they up to date with recent, you know, medical studies? Do they go to the um, CEs, which are pretty much just like, legally they, they have to, but uh, it's some it's programs that they can continue their learning. So continued education is what it's called. Okay. Um, usually for vets, they have to get a certain amount of points, CE points to, you know, get get their license for the next year. <laughs> um, but if they're going and going to like modern uh, CEs, so up to date CEs and not just like old school, you know, they're continuing the learning. <laughs> yeah, not being stuck in the times. That was huge when I worked in like IT because IT, it's like, you know, with computers and technology, technology is constantly advancing. It, it always. Like, if you don't Same stay on top of it, yeah, you're quickly just like out of the loop and exactly. lost. Yeah. Some people like, you know, old school doctors because they tend to be a bit more conservative with what they recommend, what they treat, you know. But that's not always, you know, should be the case for that certain things. Meaning what, they're less likely to, like, opt for extreme measures, you mean? or They're more likely to, you know, start with, like, the basics rather than being like, this is everything that should be recommended. Um, and then from there, having you choose what you can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually like, let's just start with a bland diet. For, say it had like diarrhea mm-hmm. um, for a day or two and if it doesn't get better we'll try something else you know right. type of thing where um, some doctors are like let's do probiotics let's do a bland diet let's do um, anti-diarrhea uh, antibiotic so to troubleshoot multiple areas exactly to sure. try to cover the whole basis yeah. um, to get them fixed quicker Potentially, yeah. yeah. Sometimes that bland diet is all the dog needs, you know, but it just depends on the doctor and your dog. Every dog's different. Um, so just kind of finding what style doctor you like. Um, and then we can, you know, go over the green flags. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What should I be um, looking for when I... So when you call around, you want to see how fast they answer their phone and or get back to your voicemail. It's not always possible for them to immediately answer your phone call. Um, my hospital doesn't have a voicemail, so you have to keep calling. Um, now, are you, as a vet tech, responsible for? No. So we have something that's called CSR, so Client Service Representative, where they specifically answer phone calls, schedule, um, help you know, answer questions for the doctors. Like They'll get the doctor's answer and repeat it to the, the client. Okay. Um, sort of act as that communication. Exactly. They're the, the middle people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the front of the, the pretty much the hospital. So every hospital you go to, that should be like the first thing you think about is like, are they getting back to me? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, communication. Exactly. So if like they communications. have... Communication is a big one. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, so like I said, my hospital doesn't have a voicemail, so you have to keep calling. Usually they'll answer, put you on hold, and then they get to you when they have a chance. Um, it shouldn't be like, it's not always possible, but, mm-hmm. you know, they should get to, to you in a timely manner. Yeah. Um, and then if you have to leave a voicemail, you know, be patient. Usually the answer is within, or a callback or answer within an hour is typically okay. Anything longer than that, I'd be a little concerned. Um, 
they that the doctor listens to your concerns and discusses everything. Sometimes, you know, doctors will shrug off your concern. Be like, so Max has been chewing the wall lately. Um, what are the recommendations? And the doctor kind of just goes, skips over, continues the exam, and, you know, doesn't talk about your concern. Um, yeah, I feel like that's sort of almost just sort of like shows me that they're just in it almost for like the money of that visit. Yeah. Just trying to get through the visit. Let me just like try to get you in and out. Yeah. Like stop talking. Exactly. (laughs) They're just trying to get through the visit and they're not like actually listening Mm -hmm. to your concerns or willing to discuss your concerns type of thing. Yeah. That happened sort of with um, Lawson, the double moral. I watched. Yeah. I remember uh, he mentioned that. His gums. One vet. She was like, uh, Jane was like, oh, does that look funny? And they were just sort of like, no, it looks fine. And then the next, she got a second opinion. And they were like, yeah, we're going to want to do a, like a biopsy. And it, yeah. it looks cancerous, but benign. Yeah. So it's just like, woof. Like, yeah. two set, like It's very scary oof. when you get like a second opinion and they're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. we should have dealt with this sooner. Yeah. yeah, the C word cancer. It's like. Uh, um. Another thing to look for is if they're fully staffed and or have staff that have been there long term. Um, not every hospital um, is fully staffed, and it's very hard to keep a hospital fully staffed. But if they have, like, a high turnover rate um, for employees and clients, that should be a red flag. How couldn't someone like myself figure that out? If you go to the vet for, like, say, six months, mm-hmm. And, and it's every a puppy. Time you've dealt with someone new, someone or that you you ask how someone is, and they're like, "Oh, they left." Okay. Um, that should give you an idea. Or, like I said, not answering the phones. Mm-hmm. They seem like they're running around with their chicken, like chickens with their head cut off, yeah, type of situation. Knows what's going on? Um, <laughs> shorts. That's a, a sign of being short staffed. Um, but again, not even if they're short staffed. Just keep in mind that doesn't mean they're not a quality hospital. Mm-hmm. It just means that. Sometimes, you know, ev- you have people wait. have, yeah, people have to wait and, you know, there's not always pe- people who want to work in vet med. It's a pretty crappy um, yeah. job for a lot of people who don't understand what they're getting into I could mentally, be. emotionally. Yeah. Um, the burnout rates are very high and, uh, you know, you deal with a lot of shitty people compared, yeah. you know, you love the it's animals, very, but very it's the people. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can totally see it. So people get burnt out. That's totally fine. But if it seems like every time you're there, there's always someone new and no one's been there mm-hmm. for more than, like, a year, like, employee-wise, then I would that would be a red flag because that just indicates poor management. There, something's obviously going on. That yeah, there's, <laughs> you know, poor – they're overworking their staff. They're underappreciated, um, not, you know, treated well as well. And sometimes just toxic environments. There's a lot of toxic environment about hospitals where it's just drama, drama, drama. And my one of my old hospitals was just like that. And I'm so glad I left. But is it drama in the sense of the doctors judging the patients or like drama just between between the like employees? Interpersonal relationships or exactly. Or just Yeah. And you know, yeah, it sucks. It is. It's like, like people that. gaslighting each other. All exactly. Cool. Yeah, I dealt with that. And it's hypocrisy, show. and it's just like a lot of shit. It's just annoying. 
Um, but so keep an eye out for that. If it seems like you, they constantly have new people. No one tends to stay. Um, even doctors, doctors will, you know, be in and out high doctor turnover and even clients be like, so say you go to this vet and, you know, you see how other clients are treated and they just like, we're not coming back. Type what do you thing. think are some common reasons for like the high turnover rate of of vets and vet techs? Is uh, it just just kind of like I mentioned the overworked, underappreciated, yeah. um, in environment. Okay, yeah. is typically the the turnover rate, um, reason for the turnover rate. Um, is it easy? I know in I so like in IT, uh. The easiest way to get a raise was to like literally just go get another job at another place. Mm-hmm. Is that the same? For no, you can or? usually ask. Okay, it's it's always okay to ask. You may not always get it, mm-hmm. but you can also apply to other places and be like, "Hey, this place is offering me X amount." <laughs> the old ultimatum. <laughs> exactly, you leverage that um, to see if you can get a little higher. I mean, obviously, if you have to go with that other job, then obviously that's the choice mm-hmm. um, or the best option because, you know, quality of life for yourself, you need to kind of keep keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you don't get a lot of free time. I do that to myself too, though. I pick up a lot of shifts. Okay. Um, so I work my 40 hours a week at my hospital, and then I pick up an additional 30 to 40 at the ER um to, just for overtime i like my overtime <laughs> also it's just experience that i don't really have a lot of in the er and that i want to get and learn and um i feel like that'd be useful for the future and also for my pay <laughs> yeah i mean it's got to make you also feel so good to help so many animals i love it i honestly life. love it but like i mentioned it it is pretty exhausting after a certain point do you feel it's taking a toll on you like yes and no a permanent like toll no i don't think a permanent one i go through it like weekly where i'm just like by the end of the week i'm like just leave me alone (laughs) don't talk to me let me just do my job you need a day or two to recharge exactly (laughs) um but i i do love it it's just something you know i see myself doing for the rest of my life so um, another thing is taking the, uh, employees take pride in their work. So if they seem proud to be, you know, helping your pet, if they're just kind of like, meh, whatever, mm-hmm. um, that should be a flag, green flag for, you know, taking pride, will, willing to go above and beyond and trying their best, um, to their ability to help you. And, and if it doesn't seem like they're doing that, that should be a red flag, uh, off, uh, yeah, nobody, I I wouldn't want to deal with attitude if I'm, like, concerned about my dog. Exactly. I want, like, reassurance, not, like, yeah. to be dismissed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, another thing to think about is finance. Uh, if they're willing to try to help you accommodate your finances uh, for certain things. So if they have, you know, payment plans or if they have, plan- like, wellness plans, those are something to talk about. Um, I do. I, I have something to bring up on that later. Yeah, we can talk about yeah. that later. Um, also, just giving you different options for your price range that you can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously not everyone can afford, you know, 
every single thing that's recommended because, you know, the, the, the doctor's job is to recommend everything that's their, um, the top medical quality recommendation is we could do all this, um, but if you can't afford that, they're like, if you can only afford this amount, this is what I'd recommend first based on your price range. Um, so that should be something to look for for a green flag is if they're able to accommodate or have other options for you. Yeah, like willing to work with you. Exactly. Even if it's not necessarily like a payment plan, because a lot of hospitals don't do payment plans anymore um, for specifically like medical needs. Um, wellness plans are totally different, but we, like I said, we'll talk about that later. Um, that's just something to consider if they're willing to work with you. Um, obviously cleanliness of the hospital. If the lobby looks like trash when you first walk in and you mention, you know, Hey, there's some dog pee on the floor. Cause that's inevitable, especially when it's snowing out and the small dogs don't want to wade, have to swim through the snow to go to the bathroom. They typically go to the bathroom in the in the, the owner's house or in the hospital. Yeah. That's so very common. But if you mention that to, like, the front desk and they're not, they're like, nah, or they don't seem willing to go get someone to help clean it or clean it themselves. Um, the rooms, obviously, if there's trash everywhere, if there's, like, dirt and fur and they didn't, like, you know, sweep up before the yeah, room. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't go to a surgeon and get surgery if like it wasn't a sanitary exactly that would just like even just for like the exam rooms yeah and out back if everything's you know put in place and organized that's a good flag as well will most places let you view like the room that your dog will be in it depends on the hospital okay um, some doctors are okay with having you know clients come out back and be like this is where your pet's gonna be um you know because that's something i would make me feel way more like reassured i love there's a couple new like er type places that are very like it's an open room and you can see everything Mm -hmm. um some places allow like visits for like pets who are going to be there for a while um so like pets who need to be hospitalized at the er they're allowed to have like a, a visit from their owner and you get walked through, like, the triage area into the ICU where you see everything. Because yeah. um, it would just concern me if, like, there was, like, an off-limits area that you can't see, and it's, like, that's where all the sketchy crap happens. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what my yeah. brain... I haven't seen any sketchy crap, thankfully, myself, but yeah. I can't say that for every hospital, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, but most hospitals, they try to keep on top of being clean and... Um, obviously it's organized chaos when the day is really busy. Obviously there's going to be, you know, little bits and pieces occasionally everywhere. Um, but it should be cleaned up in a timely manner. Mm. Usually, usually (laughs) for a good place. Um, and then lastly for my green flags is, uh, their willingness to explain things into like layman's terms for people because you can use all the medical terminology you want. Some people aren't going to understand that. Um, So obviously talking about, you know, basic pet care, you know, just just talking about, you know, the difference between a kennel cough vaccine and an influenza vaccine and be able to describe it to you um, as well as, you know, certain terms. So, you know, malignant 
meaning cancerous and benign meaning non-cancerous and be able to go into detail for, you know, why each is what, what it is, you know, that's a, Which, that'd be yeah, a for flag. me, like, again, no medical, like I get all those terms, exactly. like half the time you say things, I'm like the what, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a, yeah. So for me, that's like critical. Exactly. Um, to be able to understand your own pet's health care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of human doctors won't break that down for you. You'll, you'll get your report and you're like, it's an alien language. Exactly. Like, literally. For I human don't. stuff, I'm like, I don't know what this word is, <laughs> yeah. but um, okay. Yeah. And they don't say anything about it, and you're like, okay. Yep. Um, that should be the same for uh, doctor, uh, veterinary medicine. They should be able to explain that to you in detail if you have a question about it, or if you want it to be explained in detail, they, the doctor should be able to do that, or the tech, depending yeah. on what the, like the question the communication, is. communication. Exactly. You know? So those are the my main green flags. Um, obviously, I have more red flags than green, but I kind of <laughs> talked a little bit about them with the green flags. So yeah. um, I may jump around here. So That's all right. <laughs> um, so I mentioned high turnover rate and client turnover rate and employee, you know, that's, all, that's a big thing. Um, usually... Short staff, poor management, overworked, underappreciated being the red flags. Um, and then, let's see. Oh, if they're like a manufacturer-type hospital. What is so that trying to get as many animals in as possible. And, you know, that may sound good, but keep in mind the quality of medicine yeah, goes goal? down. Isn't the goal to get in as many as? So the goal is, depending on where you're going. So in ER, you want to try to get in as many urgent things as possible. But for a primary care, it typically the appointments are, you know, 20, 30 minutes per pet. So if you start triple booking and the doctor has to rush through that primary care visit, that's when things are going to start getting missed. And there's only so much time in the day. Exactly. Yeah. And there's only so much time in the day. And so the more animals you squeeze into an appointment spot – the, the quality of care tends to go down. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously not what you want to do. For the ER, obviously you want to get, get out there, get the animal intaked, um, get it seen as soon as possible by the doctor. But they're also, you know, trying not to, you know, overburden themselves so they don't miss anything. And that's a big like thing. That's probably a scenario where the communication is probably going to be pretty limited. Yes. You know, um, if they're struggling on time, it's like, all right, I don't have time to answer your questions, you know. Yeah. And you sh- you don't want your doc. you go into like a human doctor and be like, okay, yep, yep, yep. And don't really like talk to you. They're just like checking off the boxes and they leave to go to the next appointment because they're trying to rush. Right. So you don't want that for your animal as well. Like they're trying to just, you know, look over your animal real quick. Uh, don't answer any questions. They don't, you know, communicate. They're just like, here's the vaccines. And then they're running. That's how you miss things. Exactly. That's how you miss things. It's uh, how you burn out as well because you're rushing to try to get as many things done as in the day as possible. Especially if, especially if you in particular care about quality, and you're sort of almost forced to like drop that or lower that standard. And that's not something you should want to do, especially for your own animal. Um, plans, which we can talk about those. So they're not necessarily bad. 
I have them under red flags because certain places push them, like the manufacturing type places. Plans mean like payment plans? Wellness plans. Wellness plans. So usually it breaks down the costs of all their primary care stuff, so the vaccines, routine blood work, um, exams over monthly payments instead of, you know, paying every time you go in. Um, you just do, like, monthly payments for a year, and that's, like, a contract, and they're not necessarily bad. I like them a lot for puppies because as a new puppy owner, you're going in every three to six weeks to get vaccines done until they're, like, six to eight months old. Plus or minus the spay can be included in the wellness plans. Um, I find that that helps break down the costs a lot because, you know, a spay out of pocket could be $500, $600, and not everyone has that. But they can break everything down, and it can be, like, 60 to 70 bucks a month for everything. So exams would be included, all the vaccines, routine interest? blood work, the spay. No. Okay. Not from the ones I've worked at, the hospitals I've worked at. There's usually no interest. It, they typically actually um, discount it because they want you to get that plan. Um, I don't know exactly, you know, reasons why I they... Think, I think similar to a car dealership, and this is just yeah. a, sort of a subject where, like, if you can have, like, someone come in and pay for a car right away versus repetitively coming in yeah. and, like, constantly giving money, it just, like, I think looks better on the books and stuff, I imagine. I'm imagining. I don't know 100%, but I do find that they typically discount it more because mm. you're like their client at your hospital and you know you expect them to come back I think it's just kind of helping build a relationship almost um, obviously not every person is set up to be able to pay 60 70 bucks a month um, I believe it's cheaper without the spay neuter depending on you know your location in your hospital some hospitals don't even offer plans um, but I put them in the red because some hospitals push them and push them and push them. Like, they have a quota to fill, and that is a thing for certain hospitals. They have a quota that they need to fill every month to be like, we're keeping clients and we're getting new clients signed up on them. Um, and I, I think that it is, you know, a little hard, like, unnecessary to have to push them so much to make people feel like they need this plan because some people only come in and get rabies. So when you don't really need a plan if you're just getting a rabies vaccine. Obviously, I recommend other vaccines and stuff, but some people are old school and just want the rabies vaccine, and they come in once a year or once every three years that's because of like rabies. That's the minimum legal, like... Exactly. That's the minimum legal thing. Um, but some people don't always do all of that, and that the plan isn't worth it to them for it because they come in once a year. They spend 400 500 bucks for, you know all their routine stuff, or 100 bucks if they're just doing an exam and rabies. Why would you pay right. $600, $700 for the whole entire year when you could just do that one thing? So I think that should be, you know, thought about. Wellness plans are helpful for people who want to do all the diagnostics for, like, preventive care, vaccines, exam routine exams, stuff like that. And you can actually include it, like, dental cleanings and stuff like that too. Um, but if you're not interested, you should tell them to make a mark on your file so they don't ask you every time. Some people, you know, they're like, oh, you could save if you do this on this plan. Every time you come in, you're like, 
I've already been asked this like seven times. So I'm not interested. So they should make a, a mark on your file if you're not interested. Um, but like I said, it is a green flag and a red flag, but it just depends on the type of hospital. Yeah. Um, let's see. We talked about techs and doctors not listening, lack of sanitation, professionalism. So if you see the techs and doctors swearing at each other and, um, you know, talking down to you typically is a red flag. That's not um, how you want to be treated. And then, you know, thinking about how they treat your animals in the room. You know, if they just, you know, throw them up on the scale, they're like, whatever, you know, manhandle your pet in front of you. If some pets need to be manhandled, I will yeah. say. Um, but if your pet is pretty chill and then they're manhandling it kind of a red flag there um it makes you think about what they do in the back mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, anytime i see anytime i see something at like the dog park where like an owner i don't know i've seen people like smack their dog it's like damn you just did that in front of all of us yeah what do you do, do at home, home? yeah you know? oof scares yeah. me and you know I haven't personally experienced anything myself, um, you know, horrible out back, but, you know, there are probably places where people manhandle and probably smack your dog around a little bit, I'm sure. There's someone's having a bad day and they're just, like, smack. <laughs> That's probably, like, a cultural thing, probably from, like, the top down to where it's just, like, the whole place is probably like that, I'd imagine. And yeah. it's, like, normalized and, like, okay. yeah. Because um, if I ever caught someone doing that, oh, they'd be held. I know, I <laughs> you know. know. Um, same here. And then if the hospital isn't properly stocked, so if you're constantly going there and they don't ever have, like, your flea tick heartworm prevention or if you, they never have, you know, the medicine that your dog's supposed to be on, like, some dogs need to be on, like, enalapril and pemobendin for heart stuff and you're, they never have it. Keep in mind those two medications tend to go on back order a lot because of how, like, in demand it is, um, and they're not producing enough, if they're not able to help you find where you can get that, like, they're not able to help, you know, research, be like... they don't have it, yeah. They should be able to recommend or try to help you find a place um, or write you scripts for that so you can get it yourself. But if they're constantly, like, we don't have it, go look online, go find it yourself... Because not a lot of people know, you know, the exact dosages and instructions and stuff like that. Yeah, that's all, like, anytime I have a dog sleepover that's got, like, medicine, it's always like, all right, let me read this bottle four times to make sure I'm not screwing. Like, it's it's very, like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can go do that, too, though, you know. Go look online, do your own research, see if you can find it cheaper because some places it's cheaper than at your hospital. That's totally fine as well. Some doctors will write you scripts. Some doctors don't write or ask where you're getting it from because, you know, Amazon, eBay are not credible places. There's fake products out there. So some hospitals are very particular on where you get your medications from because if it's not from the manufacturer or a licensed place, it could be a fake product and could potentially do more harm than good. Yeah, the Soresto collars had a huge issue with that. Yeah, um, from Amazon. <laughs> yeah, the way Amazon does returns is, so 
let's say, let's say I'm an Amazon seller, and I sell uh, Soresto collars. Um, I have like my Amazon website. People go in, they can buy. Um, when Amazon items are like returned mm-hmm. uh, and stuff, they are like basically lumped back in. So like, say you return like a product that's not like real. Yeah. Like, that just gets put back into like with everything else. Like yeah. I've read all these uh, interesting articles on how their return process. It's like uh, a lot of just fake crap gets thrown back in mixed in yeah. with you know you could be you could be a totally legit seller mm-hmm. and accidentally get product that like is from some other amazon exactly so that's fake and it's just like so i know yeah with the soresto there was a huge issue with you know fake ones that, yeah and keep in mind if you're getting medications you're putting something into you know your pet's body mm-hmm. if you're not getting it from a manufacturer or a licensed place you don't know what you're putting in your pet's potty, and it could potentially kill your pet. And that's the same thing with the Sorestos. There's fake Sorestos that have killed pets mm-hmm. and or left really serious damage to the neck. So that's really something to think about. Um, if your vet hospital is just like, have at it, good luck, <laughs> yep. and they're not willing to help you find a place that's credible, then it's, if they're out of stock. Because, you know, certain products go fast because how often they need it. So ear meds at my hospital tend to go fast because every other pet has an ear infection and we go through it so much and we can only order so much at a time. Mm-hmm. And so we run out and or we're running low and you have to keep that in mind. So if we're out of it, usually we can order it online for you and get it home delivered or um, we call you when it come, the shipment comes in if it's coming in like next day or so. So that's mm-hmm. they should be willing to help you get your product if they're out of stock, if they're constantly out of stock and never have anything and never try to help you, that's a red flag. Um, another red flag for my, this is coming from my own personal, um, own personal, uh, losing my words here. It's all right. Um, if they don't recommend flea tick heartworm prevention, that's a big one for me. Flea tick heartworm. Yeah, so if your pet's not on flea, if the, the doctor doesn't recommend flea or tick, especially heartworm, especially in areas where it's prevalent, so New England area. Mm-hmm. Down south is loaded with heartworm, but a lot of doctors don't recommend it because they're like, whatever, trying to get through the day, mm-hmm. rushing through the appointment. They're like, that's something that you should have your pet on year-round, um, regardless of weather, because if it's above 30 degrees, fleas, um, fleas and ticks are going to be active because they're not frozen. Mm-hmm. And... Mosquitoes, I don't actually know what they do during the winter. So I don't know if they freeze and go into like a trance like the fleas and the ticks or if they migrate or whatnot. But um, if it's warm out, there's always the risk. And heartworms fatal and then certain, you know, tick diseases can lead to fatality in the long run. Yeah, Yeah, I have some questions on uh, heartworm, but um, it has to do with a little story. (laughs) So I'll ask you in a bit. Um, let's see. And then, uh, the last red flag for me is the, the lack of consent for treatment. So if a doctor Mm -hmm. just does something without asking you 
permission that would be a red flag for me, especially discuss without discussing financing. And and sorry, real quick, sorry if you hear the uh, eight year old downstairs. He's a little. He's an eight year old. <laughs> he's doing eight year old things, being crazy. Living so. his best life. Yes, he is happy. We're <laughs> happy. So if you hear a little bit of background noise, sorry about that. <laughs> um. The doctor should always ask permission before doing something to your animal, just like how you would um, your doctor would ask you permission before doing something with you before your doctor wouldn't run up to you and just shoot you with a vaccine and um, without talking to you first. So same thing with veterinary medicine. You should always be asked permission or get permission from, you know, the, the owner. Uh, for consent to either do treatments for your pet or recommendations or anything like that. That's wild to think someone might do something without checking. Yeah. It's just so weird. Yeah. I mean, a lot of old school doctors will just walk in, do the exam. Um, based on your history, we'll do the vaccines that it's done in the past and, you know, not mention pricing and stuff. That That's yeah. just, you know, an old school way. Yeah. Um, some people have no problem with that. Some people do. It's just kind of, you know, having that relationship with your doctor where you know what's going to happen beforehand, yeah. um, being prepared. And then also, obviously, if you want permission to just have the, the doctor know that you want to discuss stuff before they just jump in and do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's like communication almost seems like the biggest factor to, yeah. to like good vet. Exactly. Just, yeah. All that ties back in. Yeah, and I did a little side project. I did corporate versus private practice pros and cons. Um, so I just wanted to mention a couple of those real quick. What would be like a corporate, like a chain? So like a chain, deal? like so uh, VCA, Banfield, Blue Pearl, Angel, Tufts. They, I think they're all considered corporate. Um, private practice being individual doctors that own the practice. They don't have to report to any like board of directors or anything like that um corporate some of my pros that i found um they typically have more locations so more of a possibility of getting your pet in sooner um typically a little cheaper because they get discounts from you know services because they have they're getting large amounts quantity for like vaccines meds stuff like that Mm -hmm. By, by the way, that's a basketball they're dribbling. Are they really living his best life, like I said? He's going to be a future NBA player. Yeah. Um, um. There are typically more opportunities for internists as well as surgeons and specialists. So if your pet needs to go see dermatology or um, endocrinology or a cardiology, neuro, um, you have a more of an opportunity to do that with a larger team because they typically have more doctors and specialists. Would, uh, are they just hearing that? Would they also more uh, be more likely to be like cutting edge, more cutting edge? Yeah. Like- so they typically have they're able to afford better equipment because they're getting more money in. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can usually get like MRIs or ultrasoundists, um, or even ultrasound machines, um, state of the art stuff. If the doctor, per the doctor's request, certain doctors, like if they're a specialist request certain, um, things for like technology and they're usually able to get it. machines too. Meanwhile, you know, if you do a private practice, they can only afford what, you know, they make. Yeah. Like Um, when I worked at BU doing the dental, like some of those dental 
it's like those x-ray machines i mean you're talking high tech very expensive so much money oh so much money and not a lot of private practices can afford that right um so they end up end up referring you to a a corporate place for a specialist um and then they usually have like i said more than one location for openings um and er hospitals are usually related to the corporate hospitals um, some of the cons, like I said, factory type setting, they seem to be wanting to get as much in as possible, rushing people um, and, you know, kind of pushing or guilting people into unnecessary, I guess not unnecessary, but diagnostics that, you know, you can do steps to, up to that. You know, they're jumping right to the expensive stuff instead of, you know, recommending be like, oh, you can also do try this, this and this. They're like MRI, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's like three it's like, grand we've by got itself. The MRI, let's use it. Yeah, I guess it makes. Does that make sense in the sense of it's almost like yes, this will be more expensive than the others, but this will tell us right away. Yes, so a, a lot of that, yes. Um, but sometimes I feel like if you're not able to, you know, do that one thing, they're like, do that one thing, or euthanize your pet type of thing. Yeah. Ooh. You know, do what we're There's telling you to do or can. your pet is going to die or suffer. Yeah. And they kind of, kind of, like I said, guilt you into it. Not really pressuring you, but kind of guilt you into doing stuff. And imagine some, I mean, some things there's going to be nothing. Ex- like, other than like what you have to do. Or, exactly. And know. that's it too. Well, you how know? do you, how do you, I guess, how can you be certain that that's the truth? So obviously they should tell you what's wrong with your pet. Do your own little research. You can always ask others who had have had this issue or, you know, there's a bunch of vet groups online that you can go on and be like, hey, this is getting recommended for my pet. Is this 100% necessary? Mm-hmm. Or is there other steps? And people will be like, yes, no. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, uh, the corporate has to follow certain protocols, um, which can limit treatments and options. Um, so something that's, you know, state of the art and not necessarily like a hundred percent okay by whatever treatment. So like there's a new treatment right now for FIP. Um, FIP. why can't I think of the words I want to use? Is that Fina, like feline? Oh, cats. It's cats. Feline. It's, it's, it's kills them. Let's just say that FIP okay. kills cats. Um, and there's a new treatment. That's, you know, from, I think you have to get the medicine from China and it's not FDA approved. So doctors in corporate office can't recommend it, mm. but it's saving cats lives. And it, the treatment is like actually working and people are using it um, oh. compared to like a, a private practice who can be like, we recommend this because we don't have, um, we don't have to, you know, be a hundred percent FDA approved type yeah, hospital. Kind of. You know, test the waters if you were exactly. I mean, obviously they're gonna they're gonna explain that to you. That should be a red flag if they don't explain it to you. That you know we're gonna try something that potentially could harm or not harm your pet, Mm -hmm. and we're just trying to you know to the best of our ability try to fix your pet. Um, I think that's the main things for corporate. For private, I feel like they're a little bit more personable. You get to know the people. It's the same, like, two or three doctors. Um, you're not constantly seeing a new doctor every time you go in. Um, it's individualized care. Um, 
you can uh, easily build a better relationship, I feel, is some of the pros. Um, the cons is less openings to get you in because they are a private practice. They may only own one lo- or two locations, uh, and there's only so many doctors that can get in so many pets, and they typically, like, they don't they don't rush. <laughs> they take their time, so they see less pets in a day. Um, I feel like their locations can be very toxic, though. Um, there tends to be a superiority complex in those type of situations. Um, just because, you know, the doctor thinks he knows everything, and, and they'll look down and treat you like crap as, like, a tech or as a client. You know, if you don't believe what they say, they're like, oh, well. So do you prefer to work in a corporate? So I like them both. They both have their pros. Um, but I feel, I think, more comfortable in a corporate setting okay. just because I know their protocols, I feel, a little better. And you I feel f- like you're almost, you have a little bit more support. Like, do you have, like, That's a good HR way, to, yeah. We have and, HR. Like, can, com- like, actually deal yeah, with the exactly. s- problem. Exactly. It, for, you know, the private places, they don't have HR. You talk to the owner, who is usually a vet, who well, usually... say, too bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how it is here. <laughs> leave or stay, mm-hmm. like, in... Um, and, but this, like I said, toxic environments can happen in both places, but I feel like it's managed better in corporate because there's HRs, there's, um, you know, higher ups that you can go to. You don't always have to go to the manager. You can go to the district manager or you can go to the one above that. If there's no union, right? You guys aren't unionized? I, we're not unionized, no. Is there places? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not 100%. Um, another thing to consider is, private practices tend to be more um, expensive because they're paying for stuff. They're not getting those discounts and they have to inflation type of situation. Um, Every year, obviously prices are going to go up either every year, every couple of years, prices are going to go up, but the inflation is higher in a a private practice than a um, corporate practice. Yeah. Um, so those are my pros and cons for corporate versus private. So when you're considering a hospital, um, some also privates are, you know, specialized hospitals as well. So like reproduction vets are, there's a lot of private practiced, privately owned practices that are, um, reproduction vets. So if you plan on breeding, um, I don't, know any off the top of my head that are, are like ERs typically they're just like primary cares or reproduction vets um but the Have thing found or like puppies like like birthing puppies oh yeah but you also have to remember a lot of reproduction vets have to collect semen and mm-hmm. pretty much just jerk your dog off you know <laughs> <laughs> huh. um, is that how they Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, don't, they don't let them mate naturally? Some do, but if you are storing the semen for, like, future litters okay. and stuff like That's that, right. after your dog's already passed and you have that semen for years and years and years. Um, <laughs> God, that I don't know if I could jerk a dog <laughs> off. That's... It's a little weird. I... <laughs> I I don't think I could. <laughs> I would ever want to be... I could never be comfortable saying that. Like, oh, yeah, this part of my job. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure they use more technical terms, but what they do is they, they jerk your dog off. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh man. Um, but overall, um, when finding a vet, uh, you're gonna build a relationship with that specific vet. Um, just you know, getting to know the staff and the location, keeping in mind what works best for you, um, regardless if it's private or corporate. Um, so that's just like the main things. Uh, usually, people don't consider price like a big over overall. They don't consider price as like a big thing for the quality care of their pet. They're looking for that actual quality care. Yeah. Um, but keep in mind your your finances versus location versus your hospital that you want to you know build a relationship with. Yeah, and obviously vet care in Boston versus you know Kansas is going to be. Very, yeah. yeah they're so always prices gonna recommend. here aren't gonna reflect no yeah so those are my big things and um you can always let us know if you have any more questions so yeah perfect so yeah i got some cool little i don't know snippets off reddit that i want to kind of pick your brain brain yeah. with um mostly posts and i'm not even necessarily concerned with the answer to the that person's like questions yeah but they they sort of got me thinking in different ways yeah um so uh this one's interesting because i know you've fostered Mm -hmm. um you've done uh you've got all your dogs so i'm so let me i guess yeah let me just read the post first uh it's titled i adopted a sick dog today i'm worried i've made a mistake I have a two-year-old mini Aussie mix who is awesome, but a bit high energy. I live in an apartment where we take several walks a day because I work from home. Despite the fact that I work from home, she gets bored a lot because I spend that time at my computer. Obviously, I can, like, relate to that. <laughs> if, like, I don't bring Bailey and Banjo out, it's like, you yeah. know, that working breed, they need to... They need to be constantly you know. um, simulated. I've been planning on getting another dog for about six months, and it's finally time, which that makes me happy that, like, all right, it's not like I'm thinking about getting another puppy. I've only thought about it for a week. Like, six months, that that at least tells me this person put a little bit of thought. Um, I'm just going to say real quick. Yeah. If they're already concerned that they can't keep up with their first dog's mental simulation. Yep. Why get another dog? Yeah. Yep. Which which will come up here, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it's definitely, yeah. We'll we'll talk about it. So so I went to my local dog shelter today because they're overpopulated. I tried looking at the website, but the info was minimal, which tells me maybe it's not the best place. One of those red flag rescues. Yeah. If if they're not keeping it or up shelters. to date, yeah. Uh, I'd hope to get some guidance on a good fit for our home. But they were very busy and understaffed. Which is common. Yep. I can imagine, because that's all like volunteer stuff usually exactly. right? at a uh, shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at a lot of the dogs and even had to call a friend to come help because I was getting emotional. Sounds like this person's a little, Not ready a for another extra, dog. <laughs> yeah. uh, I considered a couple of five-month-old puppies, but they were naturally adopted quite quickly. I kept thinking of a big white lab with sad brown eyes. She didn't even get up and come to the gate when I stopped to look at her. She seemed broken. I took her for a walk, still sad and walking slowly, barely reacting to the commotion around her. I thought she needed love and fattening up. I decided to take her and was determined to love her back to life. 
I applied and was approved to take her. That's when they told me she was heartworm positive. So that's a red flag. They like should have told you right beforehand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, medical records should be, <laughs> medical concerns should be disclosed before you actually take the animal home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. Uh, so they gave me a brief overview of treatment, but I didn't truly understand. Instead of bringing home a wrestling buddy for my dog, I'll be bringing home a sick dog who will require a lot of worry and focus. She'll need to be kept calm and sedentary for months. She'll suffer and I will suffer watching her. My current dog will suffer if she's not getting the attention and exercise she needs. On the other hand, if I don't bring her home, she'll remain sad, scared, broken, and sick in a loud shelter, alone in a cage. I'm not sure what's best for her or us. Um... So, mainly I have questions around, like, heartworm. Yeah. But, um... You know, without getting, like, I don't want to, like, berate this poor lady. It sounds like, sounds like she wants to get a second dog to occupy her first dog, which is definitely. Not reason to get another dog. Yeah. It's definitely, like, one slice of maybe the pie. Yeah. But it shouldn't be the whole pie. Like, I got Banjo so that Bailey could have a friend. Yeah. But in addition to the awesome life she already lives. Not to, like, not to. Like, again, my neighbors, I think that's why they got a second dog is because they're one dog. They don't walk it. It just has the one little yard. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, let's get a second dog to get. And now they're both psycho. It's yeah. like, <laughs> um, that can't be the only slice of that pie. Exactly. Um, so is it is it a bad idea? So Lawson and Daisy um, are both, they were both heartworm positive. Is it a bad idea to adopt a dog? That's heartworm positive. It's not bad idea, but the rescue sh- or shelter should be able to help you with treatments. Mm-hmm. Typically, they help you, you know, with the scheduling, and um, they pr- typically are. You should have a vet that sees the animal. That's a pretty animal. serious. Yeah, it's like life or death. No. Yeah, if like left untreated, the, it can kill the dog. It can. Okay. Um, and so typically, you would want to have like steps that you need to already follow for that vet, um, pet, you know, and that rescue should be setting you up for that already. Okay. Um, not, it's not a bad idea to adopt them, um, but they are or should still be getting that treatment in that shelter or rescue um, regardless if you adopt them. And I almost feel like they sh- if she's in a kennel that's keeping her calm, cool, collected, mm-hmm. um, She's not running around roughhousing with other dogs there. So it's almost like for that specific situation, maybe she should wait until the treatment's actually done right. to get the dog. Um, yeah, how long? Uh, another question. Especially if they ha- she has a rambunctious dog at home. Right. And that may just not be a fit for her. Mm-hmm. It may just not be a good fit, and that's totally it's fine as well. It might be a case of, like, you want to do good, but... It's not going to be a good like fit for your lifestyle, it. yeah. yeah. Um, how long can a dog be left positive before there's like irreversible damage actually i guess before answering that if that's even answerable what is the damage from heartworm do they eat the heart so it blocks the heart so they're they're worms yeah it fills the heart up um it can cause clots it can cause blockages Mm. um the worms they look like spaghetti the long noodles so mosquito bites the dog the larva is transferred through the blood, and then okay, it Okay, so grows. the mosquito bit 
something that had these worms? So the mosquito bit another heartworm positive animal. Okay, gotcha. And it transferred the larva from... So that's just in the bloodstream? The larva? Yeah. Yep. Ooh. Because they're oh, small enough to pass through. Because they're in the heart, so yeah. it's just pumping. The exactly. Just the pumping is the blood. The... Yep, it's punched. Ooh. So that mosquito bites okay. that infected animal, and then that animal, or that mosquito flies to another animal and sucks blood, but, you know, it's yeah, transferable. Yeah, they, they suck it, but also, like, send it back. Exactly, right? they, like, yeah. Transfer they the have blood. a weird little straw what thing. What the hell is the point of a mosquito? Uh, I could live without them. <laughs> um, and... Like I said, they grow into noodles, so your heart is only, like, the size of your two palms, and just it fills the valves of the heart. It, you know, makes it hard for the heart to beat. It makes, you know... Makes you go into, like, overdrive? Not even overdrive. It's hard to even, you know, pump the heart that much. So does the dog get really lethargic? It gets lethargic. It has trouble breathing. It could faint. It could pass out. Mm. Um, And then, you know, the clots. It could cause some clots. So do they die from cardiac arrest? Is that? It's, they die from the, the worms themselves via cardiac. Just, just just like, yeah. Um, So it's like the cardiac is secondary to the worms. Okay. Um, They're the main cause of the reason for the cardiac issues. Um. So it's super important to keep. So how long do you have from when you're positive to save? So it's hard to say because every pet's different for infection load. Mm -hmm. So a pet that has never been treated with heartworm and is getting constantly bit with mosquitoes is going to build up uh, worms a lot faster than a dog that's on prevention, but they missed a couple months and it was, you know, has only a couple, you know, larva and they take a while to develop and so it really depends um but obviously the worms are breeding and the segments can break off and cause issues segments of the worm can break off and cause issues too um so it's it's just a really crappy uh, way to die (laughs) yeah jane could jane i was just talking to her last night that's why this is all kind of fresh in my head uh she mentioned like you know, Lawson and Daisy are both positive. And I th- I'm roughly paraphrasing. I'm going to completely butcher what she said. <laughs> but it's something like, you know, the vet told us um, that she's good. But, like, in the future, like, way down the road as she gets older, like, they're not sure, like, you know, how how it'll play out. Is that, like, accurate? Like, is this something that... I don't as they get older, can affect them? It can affect them, yes, um, because of the damage from the amount of worms they could potentially have. Mm-hmm. Um, but if treated, there shouldn't be any damage in, or any okay. damage to worry about in the future. So it's not that the worms are necessarily eating away. It's more of like a, you either get rid of all the worms and like fix it, or there's just too many worms and they die. Pretty much. That kind of the Yeah. I mean you can you can really kill off a huge amount of those worms um with treatment. It's just, you know, are you waiting until it's too late? Or I mean the treatment is very expensive. That's why I say it's cheaper to keep your pet on prevention than to do the treatment for heartworm because it's like thousands of dollars okay. for the actual treatment. 
the minicide, which is what they give the dog. Um, the slow treatment, I feel like it takes longer, and there's more risks, in my opinion, because it's not always um, 100%. Mm-hmm. So you're always, your dog's still at risk um, for a longer period of time. But the minicide, it's, I think it's 180 days worth of, um, of treatment. You do like a, you do a knots test, which tells you quantitative wise, like how infected they are, um, high, low, mm. middle of the range. And then you come in or you keep your pet on flea tick heartworm and specifically flea and tick that does mosquitoes um, and heartworm prevention. And then you come in and they're on steroids, they're on um, pain meds, uh, they're, they do the minicide, which oh, is actually, the heartworm treatment. Interesting yeah. cause one question I had was if your heart were positive, is it a painful, can it be painful? I think in the end when you're closer to, you know, okay. when you're having a hard time, you know, pumping blood and, you know, I'm sure heart attacks don't feel great. Yeah. So <laughs> I think when it gets to that type of damage, um, it's probably painful. Uh, but when it's, you know, minuscule, I wouldn't worry a hundred percent, but they typically the doctor sends you home with like a sedative pain med, like gabapentin. Okay. Um, and the treatment of a minicide that's injected right, like into the muscle near the spine. And it, that it's a fairly large needle and a very large amount. So that can be a little sore. Um, and usually the, the dog has to stay the day because, uh, risk of reaction and they have to get Benadryl and the um, dexamethasone, which is uh, steroids um, injected to it as well. And you do that for, I I forget how many times, but it's intense. It's very intense. It seems very taxing on the dog too, to constantly like not even necessarily physical, like it is taxing physically, but mentally too must be a bit of a struggle. If, If you get to that point of, having those issues oh yeah that's rough so (laughs) overall i think i don't think that was a dog for her yeah i think (laughs) she wanted that dog because she thought she could do good but sometimes you think you're doing the best thing and if you kind of step back that's why i like picking your brain because it's like all right i also thought she was doing a good thing but now that i think about it yeah she wasn't really set up or qualified i guess i would say to take on a dog with like that or i don't think she was ready because she's still having her own dog mental stimulation issues right yeah like that's that's the one key thing is like when i got banjo i got banjo to compliment bailey and give her a a best friend and brother probably much like you got fable for shiloh Mm -hmm. but i didn't get banjo to supplement like me Exactly. And our activities and our lifestyle. Yeah. It was, you know, it was in addition. And to your lifestyle, yeah. yeah. Uh, so expensive treatments. Uh, this one's coming from, I don't know where, but not America. Or <laughs> anywhere. Well, third world, I guess. So, so recently my German Shepherd dog, slightly less than a year old, got sick with some stomach pains and we went to the vet. They gave her IV fluids and gave us some antibiotics. The pills seem to be slowly working. Granted, he's not a doctor. (laughs) But she seems to be in pain. 
Are there any home pain remedies or even dog-safe human medicine I can help her with, which I'm not personally worried too much about here? Um, I'm People do it here, sadly. Yeah. I'm in a third-world country, and the vet is, one, absurdly expensive. He wants to charge me just for questions, saying I should come in. I already paid an arm and a leg's worth just for one IV bag and antibiotics. Two, he's the only one in my town. Um, so my question here is actually less related to like his specific German Shepherd. But how can I tell if I'm being taken for a ride in regards to paying for expensive meds or maybe treatments? Uh, that may or may not be needed. And then, so that'll be like question one. And then what if there is only one clinic nearby? And let's say either it's subpar, maybe you've had a bad experience, maybe it doesn't have the greatest reviews, and you're sort of like on the fence of like, it's like, all right, well, it's the only place. Yeah. So, so I guess, yeah. So first, uh, yeah, how can you tell if, like, well, does my dog really need that medicine? So it would help knowing what was wrong with the dog. I'm yeah. guessing since he's, it's expensive to him, mm-hmm. he probably didn't do any diagnostics. So he probably didn't do, it like, an x-ray. My yeah. guess is he just did the conservative route, which is the fluids and the mm-hmm. antibiotic. Um, without 100% knowing what's wrong with the right. animal, the doctor can only prescribe so much. So he, he may only be prescribing what he feels is comfortable okay. for that specific case. Um, if you have concerns that your pet may be painful, the doctor should prescribe some type of pain med for a short amount of time. Um, keep in mind, pain meds should be given after blood work is done to make sure their levels are okay, like their or internal organ levels are okay for the animal to handle those pain meds. So like a non anti-inflammatory can really mess up uh, liver and kidneys. If blood work isn't done and say your pet's already in living, liver and kidney failure, we don't know because, mm-hmm. you know, potentially no diagnostics are done and that could mm-hmm. be why it's having stomach pain or um, stuff like that. So you got to take that into consideration. Um, the doctor should be able to prescribe, you know, something softer to, you know, the gut just to, you know, maybe hold it over. So something like galaprant or gabapentin, this tends to be a little easier on kidneys and liver um, without blood work is something they should be able to prescribe. But obviously the non-steroidal is going to be the best, um, but would recommend blood work with that beforehand to make sure it's safe for your pet to take it. Um, I don't think he should charge him for the questions. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's just part of basic practice. Obviously, if you're going to be on the phone for hours, then uh, a consultation fee should be administered. But um, if it's just a couple questions, I don't think the doctor should be charging him an arm and a leg. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, keeping in mind just what is this owner you know doing at home what his is his home care you know what what led up to these stomach problems is what i would want to know so i want like a full history (laughs) right yeah um and let's say like the only clinic nearby is mediocre or maybe you've had a bad experience 
It's better to get your pet treatment than not, honestly. Yeah. I mean, if you had a bad experience, I think you just gotta have to suck up your pride mm-hmm. and go and get your pet care. Um, yeah, bad experience is a very broad term. Yeah. Because you can deal with anything from, like, you know, they make a disagreement. Yeah. and my pet's dead to, like, something so A disagreement over, like, doesn't nail matter. trims weren't done, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we get that a lot. Right. Um, um, so that should be taken into consideration. I don't recommend any homeopathic mm-hmm. human meds because that can also uh, ruin the kidney liver. So never give your dog Tylenol. That can kill your dog. Yeah, I mean, the way I always approach things like this is uh, if I'm not extremely versed and a professional in that, I should go seek the professional. Exactly. Help. Don't like, try I'm to. I'm not going to mess with my plumbing. Exactly. I will find a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think it's just not fair to the animal. I, obviously, if you have financial constraints, um, a, a regular doctor may seem more expensive to you for diagnostics. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to, you know, like I said, look into something that could help you. So crowdsourcing some money, um, pay, not PayPal, um, care credit. <laughs> Which, is that worldwide? It, I think it is. is it? Okay. I'm not 100%, so don't quote me on that, but mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure care credit is accepted in a lot of places. I guess we can add that to red flags if you charge for questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's something I've never dealt with. Well, okay. I've dealt with grief in the passing of Chloe, mm-hmm. but she wasn't my dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I consider all the dogs I watch my dog. Yeah. But like they're not your dog. dog. Yeah. Um, so this, this one's, this one's a little sad. I wish the news was better, but after two emergency appointments and two follow-ups, it looks like Lola's kidneys are failing. We've opted to give her some supportive treatment to improve her quality of life. She's currently on steroids, anti-nausea meds, an appetite stimulant, Mm -hmm. which I didn't even know that was a thing. Yep. And you're going to have to correct me on my my pronunciation here. Subcutaneous? Subcutaneous. Cutaneous fluids. What does that mean? So under the skin. So the cutaneous layer of an animal is under the skin. Um, So like fluid meaning probably blood? So fluids is like actual fluids. So sodium chloride or um, LRS, which is lactated ringers. Um, That's given under the skin to help hydrate an animal, given what typically what they need. Um, We don't have a subcutaneous layer on humans, so it's not like common knowledge. Uh, But for animals, if you ever go to a doctor and you you go home and your dog has like a bubble. The big water bubble, right? Exactly. That's subcutaneous fluids. um, And that's dispersed over the body to help hydrate them. Um, Almost like an IV. Exactly. It's like, obviously IV is better because it's directly into, you know, the vein. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the money to hospitalize your pet, because IV can only be pushed at a certain rate and volume Mm -hmm. per animal and their size, um, 
the subcutaneous you can be given pretty quickly, usually within like 10, 15 minutes. It's just a big needle that you fill with. Yeah, it's just a big needle, and we have like a a line up to uh, like a fluid bag. Okay. And we just squeeze the fluid bag, and it has numbers, and we squeeze into however much the doctor um, recommends for that specific animal. Okay. Interesting. Uh, So when treated, she has energy and seems like a happy dog. But we know it's temporary. When she starts having bad days again, we're opting to humanely eth- uh, euthanize. We're spending our last few weeks together doting on her and making sure she knows she's loved. If anyone has advice on helping our other dog through our through her upcoming grief process, please let me know. I've never dealt with like you know like I know makes me so sad and i think about it almost every day like bailey will be sleeping on the bed and i'll look at her and i'll just think about how much i love her Mm -hmm. and sometimes my brain will wander to like well one day she's not gonna be there yeah and in a i guess in a perfect world banjo and bailey are a year apart so it would fit if they're healthy that she would pass a year before he passed and I, I do often wonder about, like, yeah, like, how can I help him? Because I know, all right, so I guess, all right, two questions. How can I help him? And let's say I, it, I did, I finally determined, all right, this is the worst day of my life. I need to put Bailey down. Mm-hmm. Do I bring him? Does he need to witness this or should he not witness this? So uh, I feel like we anthropomorphize We humanize animals more than we should. Um, I love my dogs to death, but I don't see that they don't understand. They don't have the knowledge to understand. So they may grieve the loneliness, but I don't think they understand the concept that the animal isn't coming back. Um, I don't think they understand the concept of death 100%. Um, so like they do and they don't. They, 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 they know something's different. Right, okay. But I don't think they realize 100% the reason for the difference. Um, so they, they sense that you're sadness, so they may seem gloomy, but I don't believe that they 100% grieve to our level. I feel like they do move on pretty quickly and easily. I mean, obviously, some dogs are very bonded with, like, a, another animal. So that's, you know, they grieve because they have separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they grieve in a way we grieve. Okay. Um, they just don't have the complexity and exactly. the understanding. Exactly. That we, yeah, we're very unique in that way. Exactly. Um, and then bringing in the animal, I... Yeah, like, is it better for him to witness and know here's, like, she's... I don't think they understand either. Okay. I don't think they understand that either. And I I personally wouldn't want my other dog to see my, you know, their companion dead. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a very weird, like, concept. Yeah. Like I said, they don't grieve the way we do. Yeah, so they don't, they don't look at it the same Exactly. Lens. Um, so I think it's just a weird human concept that we have. Mm. Um, obviously 
some people like it just for their own peace of mind and, you know, to comfort themselves right. and not the dog. I don't, again, don't think the dog really cons- grasps the concept of death because they don't think of the future. They think of the present and maybe a little of the past. They know the people who have wronged them. Mm-hmm. Um, they know the people who they love. Uh, but they don't really think of the future. They don't think for the next day. Yeah, like I always imagine in my head, if I died in a car crash or if Sam never came home, like, to the dog, like, I know I will every day wake up thinking, like, I miss her or she would wake up every day, like, thinking about me. But, like, they might not necessarily... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they might once in a while maybe make a correlation, exactly. maybe a scent or yeah. But I don't think... Yeah, I don't think I don't they think grasp the they... concept to the degree that we grasp it. Yeah. I think they get that the, that dog is no longer here. Their friend is no longer here. But, again, they go and see, like, a friend but at the dog park, know. and it's, like, the best day of their life. Yeah, they don't know it's that the dog is dead and that they'll never necessarily see, see it, it again. again. But at the same time, they're not like, oh, I can't wait till tomorrow when I get to see, like... Exactly. Yeah. And then, like, huh. like I said, it's, some dogs are very bonded to certain animals, so I think they suffer from the separation of that yeah, animal, but they don't like, understand the reason of that separation. Like, like they may litter mates, maybe. Like that grew up together. And yeah, never got. you know when you get the puppy for the first couple of days, it cries because it's alone at yeah. night, or you know, um, some puppies don't. They don't care. <laughs> They're living their best <laughs> life. But um, even like older dogs that have you know bonded very closely with other housemates. Um, they may seem a little gloomy, a little blah, because the housemate's not in the house anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't really understand, you know, where they're at. But I don't think they grans- grasp the concept that they won't ever be there. Yeah. Um, oh, now it makes more a little bit more sense. Sorry to tie. <laughs> so if I died, I know that, and I know a dog doesn't live this long, but... 40 years from now, Sam will both passively think about me and actively think about me. Like, it might be, like, subconscious and, like, active. But Bailey, if I died five years from now, I don't think she'd ever be thinking of me. Exactly. Does that make sense? Like, maybe if Sam said, like, oh, where's daddy? She might... I don't know words. what that would. Yeah, I don't know what the that word, exactly. So the word cues like a a you know a certain you know reaction. Mm-hmm. So daddy being you being her person, she's like oh exact excited because you know but she doesn't understand you know the exact word. Yeah, it's just she just knows the cue to that word means her dad, mm-hmm. you know her owner for that time being. But she's not gonna be like. Daddy in the future. Right. That's, that's Unless so cool. it's brought up. <laughs> that's so cool how, like, different we are. Yeah, and how so our brains unique. work and, you know, animal yeah. brains. Um, all right, yeah, so, yeah, it's sad because I'm going to have to deal with that at some point, but it's at least that. I refuse to accept it. I know. My dogs are going to live longer than Forever. me, I've decided. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be We're going to all die and, together. Yeah. <laughs> No, they're going to live longer. That's fine. <laughs> when I first talked to you, 
it was very apparent that dogs aren't the only thing you have knowledge of. They're the only thing, only animal I have extensive <laughs> knowledge on and extensive really being anecdotal. It's all just my experiences. It's not really like, I don't know, scientific. Yeah. But uh, you're very, very well versed in other animals. So the nice thing is, is we don't have to just talk about just dogs <laughs> here. So I've got a couple little Reddit posts that aren't dogs. Okay. So hopefully this will make you happy. <laughs> the next one. There's one. There's, there is one that will make you. But anyway, um, I want to touch on a little bit about how vets aren't immortal beings here. So, nope. So we're talking about a guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Uh, my vet didn't properly examine my guinea pig's teeth despite me asking her to. And she missed a major tooth root abscess that will now require surgery. How can I address this with her office? As the title indicates, my guinea pig has a serious serious tooth root abscess, which went unnoticed during the exam with a new vet. And that missed diagnosis has led to delayed treatment. I specifically request... and. We're going to just take her word for it here because obviously, like, we don't know this exact situation. Like, yeah. it's a he said, she said. Exactly. So let's just assume she's correct just for mm-hmm. sake of argument. Um, I specifically requested his mouth and teeth be examined when I brought him in for an appointment last week because he wasn't eating hard foods and has a small bump on his jaw. I asked for this, this exam on multiple occasions to multiple staff. During appointment scheduling, on paper during intake, during several follow-up phone calls, and in person when I picked him up. After examining him twice and holding him overnight, I was told staff could not see his molars because his cheeks were full of food. So they weren't actually checked. He was treated for GI stasis and sent home. I don't know what the heck that means. What does that mean? So... If a, like a, a guinea pig or a rabbit or any of those type of animals who need to be constantly eating stops eating, uh, their gut shuts down pretty much. Okay. Like koala bears. Don't koala bears constantly I, like, eat? Yeah. I'm not. Uh, is it they're not in the same family. Is it because but their food is so like, like unnutritious that they have to constantly eat or like? I think it's just the way they're set up. It, so horses cool. are the okay. same way. Like it, um, it, it's just like it. Their GI system shuts down, and it gets stasis, being you know, infection. Huh. Um, so they get infected GI tract, pretty much. Ugh. Yeah. Um, Not fun. <laughs> um, so his condition didn't improve, so I took him to a second hospital for a second opinion. Which is something I'm always like, I'm always very, I don't know, not, I don't want to say against, but I'm personally such a passive person that like when I'm told, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, so brought him for a second opinion. The other facility immediately found that he had a severe tooth root abscess requiring a referral for a skull CT scan and surgery at a different animal hospital. By the way, this is a guinea pig, so, like, props to this person for not being like, it's just a stupid rat. 
Yeah, you know, a lot love, of people love, put them down at the point. Yeah, I love when people really care about like, yeah, stu- quote unquote stupid. Pocket pets you know, are yeah. so commonly put down even before they're like a year old because of issues. Because people yeah. are like, I can get a new one for like three bucks, mm-hmm. right? Which is really sad. Yeah. You're getting an animal because you love it and want to care for it. Don't. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I was told his mouth had a significant amount of pus in it when he was examined, and the vet who examined him emphasized this was an emergency situation. I also found out guinea pigs don't actually store food in their cheeks. So I was going to say that. I was like, yeah. that sounds so, so weird. So what the first vet saw was actually the infection. I feel this was absurdly negligent, but I have no idea what to do about it. I've sent the office an email explaining what happened and received no response. I'd appreciate them updating their protocol for small rodents to include a full dental exam to prevent this in the future. I don't expect my money back, although that would be great. Does anyone have thoughts or advice in this case? Now, I don't necessarily care about the guinea pigs situation, but vets, you, you're a human. Mm-hmm. Um, and humans make mistakes. Humans do make mistakes. I would first so my, wonder if yeah. that is a... A vet that is qualified to look at exotics? It was in the, when I was reading further in the comments, it was an exotic. The first one was an exotic. The second one was not an exotic. So that's, interestingly enough. That's weird. If it's a new, it was a new vet to the hospital. Yeah, to the exotic hospital. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they just join because they want to do exotics and want to become specialized, but they don't have the actual experience. Because I've, I was going to say guinea pigs don't store food. So mm-hmm. that's one of the big flags I saw there is, you yeah. know. Um, another thing is it is harder to, if the animal's awake, to look in their mouth. Obviously, mm-hmm. the the back yeah. it's in the back. They're yeah. small teeth. It's hard to look in their mouth. So I understand, like, it, the m- mistake can happen. But the things that the doctor is saying, so like the food in the pouch or She's in like the cheeks flag, yeah. is a red flag that he may not know or oh, she exactly. exactly what they're, they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm curious here is vets are human and therefore like misdiagnoses will happen. It's just, it's good. A lot of, there's no, <laughs> a lot of things can look like a lot of things. Right. Sadly. <laughs> so, so how do you deal with like being wrong? Like when if if you're ever wrong, which is never obviously, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. Again, <laughs> vets are immortal. They're they're yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I've I've been wrong in the past. Not even like it doesn't matter what it's in regards to, but I'm typically just okay, honest, and let's try to take a lesson. That's the same from that mistake. How I take it, mm-hmm. I'm like, I was wrong about this situation i was i misread the situation or um i didn't understand a hundred percent what the situation was and therefore i could have missed something and i'm i own up to that i'm like that's my bad it was a miscommunication Mm -hmm. on my behalf do you try to like one thing that's critical for me is what can i do in the future to prevent that like from happening again is that something that you're constantly always always how can i improve myself how can i make myself better how can i learn from this i'm always i the vet med 
community you're always learning there's always something new so you're always mm-hmm. learning from past mistakes and uh, present mistakes to help future situations avoid that um so i think if that was a new doctor for that person who doesn't know her animal or it was a new doctor to that practice they may have not known mm-hmm. um so getting a second opinion i probably would have done the same because again the red flag that they said that the there was right. food in the mouth uh cheeks. Now, see someone like me wouldn't necessarily know that that's yeah. true or false so you know to play devil's advocate you know i might i might find myself in that person's situation where i'm like oh okay they had food but luckily for them they did go yeah with the i think opinion. The owners know their animals. So if okay, you know yeah. there is something wrong, True. there's typically something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the The situation itself, it's, you know, obviously you want to get that pet in sooner rather than later, but I don't think it's life or death within the day, depending on how bad it was. Um, usually it should be seen within the week. Um, and the pet should already be on antibiotics, should be on pain meds, should be on, you know, a special diet. GI stasis is also caused, you know, a secondary issue to the main issue because if it doesn't want to eat, it's not digesting food and mm-hmm. shuts down the GI's tract. And that's a whole, it's like a somersault down a hill almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's is rocks at common, the bottom. Is that common in rodents? So I don't. Like Ra- rabbits aren't eat? considered, lag- rabbits are lagomorphs, which aren't rodents. Lagomorph. It's a the scientific term um, for rabbit. They're not in the rodent family, but they have the same similar GI tract to a guinea pig, which is in a rodent family, okay. or a hamster, or um, I don't know, a chinchilla. Uh, but also horses, which aren't in the rodent family, suffer from GI stasis often. They're, they they. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a herbivore type thing. Okay. Um, they're they all rely on hay. Um, yeah, like I know again koalas. Not uh, the eucalyptus. It's yeah. like very. It's I I swear I re- I research something on koalas where like the eucalyptus that they eat is so minimal in like and what they need that they yeah. have to constantly <laughs> eat. Just and that, I think that's just that <laughs> specific species. Of marsupial. Okay. Um, Funny little creatures. Yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to say that hamsters do not eat hay. That's something that can actually give them um, mm. respiratory issues. So. Okay. Um, but guinea pigs, hay, um, guinea pigs, chinchillas, rabbits, all requiring hay, and horses, um, those types of animals typically have GI stasis issues. Okay. Uh, Have you ever been accused of something that you had no control of? I was accused of blaming a dog for being aggressive when it was aggressive, but the owner said it wasn't. Okay. Anything else in terms of like maybe medically? Um, not medically really. I think it's just more like miscommunications where owner says like this happened, but I took it as a different like how it led up to it. Okay. type of happen and obviously you know we're not seeing the same as vets so they're going to tell more to a vet than mm-hmm. to a tech almost so, like a nurse first doctor exactly okay. so I, I go in and get a history before the doctor goes in and 
sometimes clients will say one thing to me and then the complete opposite to the doctor. Um, I don't know if they're just trying to sugarcoat stuff to me and then when they get in with a doctor, they tell the real issues. Because mm. I'll go in and they'll be like, the pet's fine. And then I go tell the doctor, the pet's fine. They want to do this, this, and this. Um, and then the doctor will go in and be like, okay, so let's do this, this, this. And then the owner's like, wait, I have all these concerns. And so I think it's taken as like people don't appreciate my job as a technician mm-hmm. um, as well as you know, just the miscommunication being um, an issue, but never really medically. I've never, like, okay. really done anything medically wrong. Okay. I, I follow strict protocols She's myself. Good. Yeah. So, yeah, this one's interesting. So, uh, my dog went in for unknown mass removal today and died during cleanup. Help me understand, which I don't know what cleanup means. Help me understand, please. I'm so confused. What's what's clean up? Is that that's not a real term? <laughs> okay, cool. Um, um, go finish. Finish okay, what hold. it is. Uh, that so, could help me answer mine. <laughs> yeah, my B. Sean, ten months. Mm-hmm. Ten months. Wow, that's for the baby. Had a lump grow over the last month under his armpit. Vets first thought possible abscess and treated for infection. Then we had brought him back at the end of his steroid and antibiotic round as instructed. The vet was going to operate there and then, uh, but wanted to do x-rays and ultrasound after he was put under anesthetic for needle aspiration. The vet concluded it was pockets of fluid and organized tissue and said surgery wasn't needed at that time. As it wasn't like all of this, I have no idea what, what is going on. But at that time, it wasn't life threatening. Um, also, final appointment of his day, and he was away for a week and said he would be best to see if it reduces and comes back the next step once he returned. That was today, and he said he removed the mask this morning. So we left him in their care for the operation. He called me three hours later to say the bad news. My, des- my dog survived surgery and mass removal, was said to be getting cleaned up and coming around after anesthetic gas. Okay. Then he took a sudden turn, couldn't breathe, then had cardiac arrest. Attempts to resuscitate failed. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense now that yeah. you've explained it. I have um, him home and have now brung myself to bury my best friend. I'm struggling to understand how this went wrong. What could have caused him to suddenly pass, blah, blah, blah. So, the, I don't think she's necessarily blaming the vet. I think this person understands that things happen. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, like. Have you, I guess, have you ever been accused of like, oh my God, you killed my pet when it's really like, well, no, you know, or like, how do you deal with like this type of situation where? For that specific situation, I would want to know, A, what type of, you know, like the the report of the cytology, which is the fine needle aspirate. Did they send it out for um, a specialist to read it or did they read it in house and they're like, it's just fluid? Um, another thing to consider is why did they put it under anesthesia originally for the aspirate? Was it too wiggly? Was it crazy because it's a puppy and did want to be poked? That's common, but 
Um, typically, we're able to get samples while an animal's still awake. Especially just thinking 10-month-old Bichon. It's small. Should be easy to... And then another thing is, why is it having this issue when it's so young? There's something medically, you know, quality-wise of that animal that may not be right. So a failure-to-thrive type situation mm -hmm. um, where it's having genetically, you know, issues. Um, every dog is obviously different, but to have issues that young would make me be, like, concerned for its future. Yeah. How would you... Now, say, let's just say, like, like, you dealt with this, and they were adamant it's your fault. Like, you killed my dog. Um, Is that something? I mean. How, how do you deal with, like, I got to imagine some people must feel. It's heavy. It's like a heavy you know, subject. It's such a tough. I've personally never lost an animal while under anesthesia, but. Okay. For that surgery to have happened, they should have signed paperwork that had all the surgical risks involved. Um, animals do die under anesthesia. That's a real thing. So when you mentioned that they were cleaning the animal up, so they were probably taking all the iodine off, they were cleaning them, getting them you know, prepped to wake up fully, and he was coming around. Um, animals sometimes crash when they're getting recovered. That's... Co not common, but it does happen. Um, again, one of those things that are, you know, in the paperwork that you should be filling out for that surgery goes over that. The animals do crash, uh, like, during pre-med, during surgery, and um, recovery. Recovery, they're still intubated, and they're just, you know, recovering. So the anesthesia is turned off, and they're recovering. And that, obviously, you're not... So, like, you're not liable because this person obviously would fill out the paperwork, understand the risks. Um, exactly. But, yeah, I imagine some I'm not people, liable, but I still feel bad or yeah. guilty almost. Because I'm like, what can I have done different to help mm -hmm. the situation? Again, I've never had to go through this situation myself. Um, we, I mean, we had one dog that crashed after getting up pre-med, which is supposed to, you know, knock it out a little bit for its catheter um but we it was reversed within seconds and that's how quick we have to be able to react mm -hmm. um and obviously when they fill out surgery paperwork they fill out a cpr versus dnr for form so do you want us to resuscitate exactly um so they obviously chose resuscitation and they tried and you know some pets happen to not you know, survive that. Is um, there... It could be a re reaction to the anesthesia, why, the meds. Why would you... Why would you choose... I'm struggling to find a scenario where I would choose do not resuscitate. Um, some pets just don't come back the same because they go through the trauma and they come back and they're not okay, so if normal. You, if you told me, hey, Bailey's brain dead, I'd yeah. say, all right, let her go. Stuff like okay. that when they've been under for so long and they don't come back. Um, it's sometimes resuscitation doesn't work. Um, you you could potentially break ribs just like humans. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the trauma of that that they have to get through w additionally with the trauma of why they went into um, cardiac arrest. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of reasons people uh, financially too. It costs. I can't imagine yeah. being a vet. 
It costs it's, more to do crazy. CPR for the drugs and stuff. Some people can't afford that, so they choose DNR because they can't afford the additional $400, $500 of the cost of CPR, the cost of the drugs to resuscitate, the cost of the doctor doing emergency stuff. Um, some of those are the reasons as well. Um, I've had, you know, I've never been accused of killing pets, but I've had... Um, well, I haven't had it die on me, but I've had get vaccines and have a reaction, and then was we had it stable and transferred to an emergency vet where it then died. What do you mean by reaction? So um, anytime you give something into the body, there's a chance of a vaccine reaction. Um, like so a rejection? A, pretty much. Um, so vomiting, diarrhea being the lower end. So So... Are we talking, all right, we give the vaccine and the, the immune system just, like, shuts down? The whole and, like, entire body. just goes all... The whole entire body just shuts down. Um, huh. The more severe being facial swelling, hives, um, and then trouble breathing. So the, they're swelling up so much that they're having issues breathing. That's the most common, or so not most common. Very rare... It's very rare. I okay. think I've experienced vaccine reactions maybe six, seven times in my... And how many vaccines have you given out? Ten hundreds years. Of hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. So, like, less than 1%? So, it's very low. But when the more severe happens, they go... They pretty much, like, pass out on you. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, get a catheter in. you got to give them met, like, dex- um, steroids... IV, you gotta give them Benadryl IV, you gotta um, get their airway, you may have to intubate them and give the, breathe for them um, on a machine. So I did have one of those happen where it got vaccines, it came in for a routine exam, it's had these vaccines before, and the, uh, the pet just reacted. Huh. I wonder what the heck. You know, it's obviously something we... Might never know what I wonder. Just what. like how, you know, people could be allergic to foods, mm-hmm. you know, they've eaten their whole life, and then one day you have a reaction to it. Yeah. yeah and no you, your throat. They say come yeah. and go kind of in. Allergies, too. You grow up no allergies, and one day you're having trouble breathing, you know. Um, those being more severe ends, obviously, but uh, we did have that animal come in. Um, it was like a sh- mini schnauzer. Um was getting its rabies and pro heart, which is a heartworm shot, which I I love that shot because you don't have to remember to, to give a tablet every month. And I use it for one for Jetta. Um, I give her uh, pro heart twelve, which is a year long shot. Um, yeah, I think we give them some like Tootsie Roll type. Little. Yeah, they and love it. <laughs> Shiloh and uh, Fable get Simperica Trio for their flea tick and heartworm combo. But I love the shot because I I struggle with remembering when to give mm-hmm. the tablets myself, and I'm a, a vet professional and I struggle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I can imagine other people struggle, struggling. Um, but that one, I don't know. She got rabies. She got her pro heart, and I think she got a kennel cough vaccine. And she collapsed, vomited like six seven times, like within seconds. Um, of getting those vaccines, um, she had to be brought out back. We, I had to give her a catheter, and um, she was pale, out of it, not doing well. 
we got her stable enough where she was breathing on her own to go to an ER, and then later in the day she passed. So she never recovered. And that that does happen, but so extremely rare. So this is going to be an oddball one. Okay. And I don't want to get super political, but let's talk about vaccines for a second. Okay. I'm just looking right now at little puppy Charlie. And so I know his owner, John, mm-hmm. is very, uh, John, love you. This mm-hmm. isn't me complaining about you. I love you. You're an amazing man. Uh, let's just say I'm left, he's right. Yeah. In terms of the political side. Uh, he's not big into, like, the COVID vaccine, blah, 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 mm-hmm. whatever. Um, with his old dog, before he had Charlie, he had a dog named Ted, mm-hmm. who sadly was hit. On 3A. John swears that as Ted got older, his brain was uh, getting worse and worse. And he thinks it's due to vaccines. Um, how, how important... Do you think vaccines are, um, do you think, like, they can cause severe harm in that way? Is is there a reason you shouldn't vaccine your animal, or should you always? So, I you know, think- I, like, so, like, Charlie's vaccined. He's vaccinated, but I don't think he's, let's say, as vaccinated yeah. as, say, Teddy. I, I haven't talked to John in specifics. But obviously he's got rabies because mm-hmm. it's required. Um, but let's say that's all he's got versus Ted, who might have a, had a bunch. Is that you know I don't want to get crazy political yeah. and like. So I don't think it affects it to the degree that he thinks it is. They do get doggy Alzheimer's. That is a real thing where okay. they have brain degenerative Cause he, diseases. He kind of thinks that. And I want to be very careful here because, John, I love you. Whether or not you're listening to this, I don't care. Part of me part of me, thinks that in his head, he's rationalizing the death of Ted through... Hi, baby. Uh, through the fact that Ted lost his mind and therefore he wandered onto 3A. Yeah type of deal versus like like not taking accountability but almost blaming like the vaccines for yeah. like the decline in his dog's mental state yeah. as opposed to just being like well an accident happened yeah and I I get that I think he's just trying to find a way to comfort like himself okay um, like I said they do get doggy Alzheimer's which is a real thing Mm-hmm. Um, where they have brain degenerative issues, and that's a, a real thing. Okay. I don't think it's correlated to vaccines, mm-hmm. to my knowledge. Um, I do believe pets should be vaccinated for the area that they live in. Um, so obviously rabies being required legally um, throughout the co- across the you know country, for our country. Um, <laughs> hey, Sophie, you ready to go potty? 
Mama's trying to get you here. Let's go potty. <laughs> go find Mama. Go potty. <laughs> Silly girl. She's sleeping over tonight. Yeah. I love her. She's so cute. Yeah. Um, I've never, never. She's my first lab, and I love labs now. She's just, I love any dog, they're just, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> they're just a happy existence. There's no yeah. sadness to them. Um, all right, let's real um, quick move on to. Wait, I didn't finish. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, but. Uh, so yeah, be vaccinated for the area that you live in. Um, I mm. always recommend at least rabies distemper, kennel cough, which is Bordetella. Um, have a yearly heartworm test and be up to date on prevention. Bordetella, is that like chicken pox? You get it once, you don't get it again? No, that's kennel cough. So Bordetella is... Or sorry, kennel is, cough. Kennel cough you get once and you don't... No, they can no, get, they can get, get re- yeah, they okay. get reinfected. Um, um, but that's common for dogs who come in contact with other dogs yeah um the other vaccines being you know uh lepto lyme influenza you can you know play by you know is are you in a wooded area Mm -hmm. um for lyme vaccine are you in an area that has small animals so uh rats mice uh rabbits squirrels that's all transmitted um by them and raccoons and foxes and stuff like that raccoons are cool I love raccoons. Yeah. They're little hands. Yeah. Um, I love that they wash their food. Yep. <laughs> and then influenza, are you going to daycare or dog parks or dog shows, competition mm-hmm. events, stuff like that? That's common. Um, those are more like the optional vaccines. I think there's other vaccines out there now, I mean, for specific locations and areas. Uh, and it can be hard if you're... If you're anti-vax, it can be hard to want to get your dog vaxxed. Much like sometimes I see like vegans people, who um, feed their dog vegan uh, diet. It's like, don't Ooh. recommend that at <laughs> all. Um, no to vegan diets for dogs and cats because cats are specifically obligate carnivores, which only eat meat. Um, dogs are omnivores, so they eat both, but typically oh, they man. lean towards meat. Um, so their, their diet, if you were going to do raw is typically, um, meat, bone, organs, and then, um, supplements of veggies, wheat, stuff like that, um, grains. Um, but I forget what we were talking about now. (laughs) No, that's all right. Uh, uh, we went from that to we were talking about a whole the, nother yeah, the <laughs> long conversation. The with the mass removal who um, died, but, um, should I be mad at my vet? Here comes a good throw. I'd be <laughs> upset, but I don't think I could have the right to be mad because mm-hmm. I, you signed those papers, reading those papers, you understood the risks yeah. that if you put your pet under anesthesia. Um, I, from what they sounded like, almost sounded like a lymph node thing mm-hmm. um, where I'd be concerned that it was cancerous. Even though they said it was fluids, I'd be wondering why there was a buildup of fluids in a lymph node area type of situation. But um, there's a bunch of diagnostics. I probably wouldn't have done the x-rays. I probably would have only done um, the ultrasound, though, because that's, you know, if you wanted to figure out more, the ultrasound would have told you more um, for that specific, for masses specifically. How, uh... How familiar with parakeets are you? I think 
pretty. I'm a bird person, so You're pretty good with them. I feel right, like cool. I could potentially answer. Ready for this headline? Okay, I'm ready. I declined euthanasia. Okay. One month on, my pet is thriving. Interesting. But it feels like my vet really wants to have been right, which obviously is a red flag. <laughs> So I want to know the logistics of this. Yeah, there's a whole lot of, I'm going to be asking you, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, four weeks ago, my beloved tame parakeet suddenly presented with fatigue and weakness. Mm-hmm. Blood tests at my exotics vet revealed uh, AST was off the scale. What is that? What is AST? If with oh. uric acid and phosphorus both within normal limits but still high. I don't know if any of that. I think that's something with the exotics blood work, but I don't okay. I'm not 100% with exotics blood work as I used to be. No worries. Um, uh, she strongly recommended immediate euthanasia. I'm a fairly assertive person. I'm not. <laughs> but I found it very hard to follow my instincts and say no. In the end, I begged to try 24 hours of treatment and reassess as he'd been his usual self just the day before. She reluctantly agreed, but said we'd have to try, have to have a very difficult conversation the following day. But the next day he had improved. I took him home after four days, and in the month that's followed, he's continued to improve, regaining his appetite. 20% of his body weight, his flight ability, and even starting mating again. Which, I wonder if she has multiple birds? Yeah. Um, Right now, his quality of life is currently better than mine. Obviously, he's still a chronically ill bird. That's such a... His... (laughs) That's still weird. His quality of life is better than mine, but he's a chronically ill bird. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Uh, I'm under no illusions. But weirdly, it seems like my vet is incredibly reluctant to discuss his future or ongoing care. I've paid for consults and got very guarded and defensive answers. I get the distinct impression she doesn't want to say anything that suggests I did the right thing in refusing euthanasia. To check I wasn't just deluding myself, I drove several hours to get a second opinion. The new vet had requested my bird's history from the other practice, and on exam, was surprised to find him presenting completely different compared to his file. Um, they didn't include copies of his blood work, but I had copies of those for myself. Hey, babies, go see mama. Hey, can we go find mama? Hi, Banjo. Oh, thanks hi. for kisses. Hi, hi. Little doggy break. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Bailey. You want to be on TV? Hello. Bailey, Hello. you want to be on TV? Oh. oh. You want to be on TV? Bailey, speak. Speak. <laughs> oh. All right, go find Mama. Let's go find Mama. All right, Sophie. Sophie, can we go find Mama? Go ahead. Go ahead, Sophie. <laughs> she's, she's such a weirdo. <laughs> Where's Sophie? She just ran out. Where did she go? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um... Bye, Bills. No, Bailey, go see Mama. She says, no, thank you. Hey, go see Mama, okay? Go see Mama. Go, go see Judy and Catherine. The kitties. Go get the kitties, Mama. Go. I'm almost done. Go. <laughs> you don't have to be involved. Go ahead. We're live on the air. Um, oh, my goodness. 
I love my dogs. <laughs> I will never not let them interrupt my life. I feel it. Uh, they can do whatever they want, and I will accept it. Um, she was so the new vet was clear in her opinion that I had done the right thing and not agreeing to euthanize, and that she's a happy and well bird. She suggested repeating his blood work in about six months' time. Ideally, I'd really like to stay with my current vet. They're local. They're usually excellent, and their research and treatment facilities are the best around. I totally recognize that any diagnosis can be an opinion based on what's presented on that day and not... I don't fault my vet for her initial uh, prognosis, but the experience since then has really got me doubting their policies and their ability to stay neutral. I'm just not sure they're putting my animal's best interest at heart. Um, so that one's just interesting because... Yeah, while you were uh, reading that, I looked up AST. So that's okay. like liver. Um, okay. So concerns with the liver. My guess is she was concerned it was in liver failure mm-hmm. um, and recommending euthanasia based off of how he was presenting. And he thought, or she thought that the, the parakeet was probably going to suffer because of it potentially being in liver failure. So do you think this maybe is like a communication issue? I think it was a communication issue. I think from based on what she's saying, it could have been a, an acute liver poisoning of some sort. So the pet probably got into something and caused li- liver damage, which is why the new vet suggested blood work recheck in six months to make sure the liver is still improving or, you know, where it's at. Um, so you, would you would you say the first person was... Obviously, they're wrong. Is wrong the right word? Like, so if if based off of the information, maybe she had. It's tough. I know she probably went off of that. But to continue even after improvement, then I would be like, okay, well, I have a second opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to continue my care with you guys. Uh, But if you cannot, you know, get past the second opinion, I may need a, another vet either at your location or okay. at a, a new... Um, so really just talk, just talk with I think vet. it needs to be discussed. Yeah. Um, I think it needs to be talked about in length with this, with the, the doctor um, being, you know, with the blood work and um, how the pet is doing now. Um, obviously what they were saying originally is the prognosis is guarded, which is totally okay to say because we don't know. We don't know what caused the the po- like potential issue with the liver. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it's going to happen again, or if it was like a reaction, like a something that it ate and you know pancreatitis, you know stuff like that. Yeah, um, I think a lot of factors play into that, but I think it needs to be a a conversation with that doctor that originally yeah. saw if they want to continue their care there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mistakes, again, you're a human. Yeah. Mistakes happen. Based off of the information you know. she got, she gave her best recommendation mm-hmm. um, for what she thought was right. Doesn't mean that doctor is always right because, again, based off of the information she got and her opinion on how the animal was at the time versus, you know, 
what it, it's doing now could affect that. Do you deal with many people or few people who come in t- sort of assuming that they know what's wrong? Like, let's say they looked it up online. I have people, like, assuming, but they wait for the doctor's final diagnosis as, like, a a confirmation almost. Um, Usually, I've, the people I've dealt with are pretty, you know, nice, thankfully. I've dealt with really good clients. Um, There's the occasional fewer, like, I want this for this ear infection, even though I don't know what type of ear infection it is. I, the dog had it before without, you know, Mm -hmm. doing an ear cytology where we can tell exactly what's in the ear and prescribe the correct dosage and stuff like that for the specific ear infection. They want the same meds that they got a year ago without an exam, without the ear cytology. They just want to, they want the meds without having to pay for, you know, the the discussion with the vet. Right. Like figure out if that's actually what What it it needs. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like before visiting the vet, I did my own research. I went online. I got an idea of maybe what, maybe what my pet symptoms are, and therefore, mm-hmm. ooh, web vet MD, I don't yeah. know, whatever, you Dr. know, says it's, says it's this. Yeah. Um, do you ever have to, like, so, like, so let me read a quick story, because okay. then I do have, I guess, a sort of question with it. Uh, should I be mad at my vet? So I had a staffy uh, bull terrier. She was shunned by her mother, so the rescue we got our other dog from asked if we could foster her. She was bottle-fed, all-around amazing dog. She turned two, and her temperament changed. I know I shouldn't Google, but some sites mention a possible brain tumor. Now, just quickly dissecting that. uh, She was shunned by her mother. She was bottle fed. She turned two and then she went, let's say, haywire. Mm-hmm. I personally don't see where the connection to brain tumor is. So, but I feel <laughs> like I can understand. So, uh, usually the parent, like, like the I feel mother like animal, always like over. It over exaggerates, yes. Yeah. Dr. Google over exaggerates. <laughs> but. You also have to take into consideration why did the mother animal reject its its offspring? Mm-hmm. A lot of animals who reject offsprings can tell that there's something wrong. So say it's a bird's nest and one of the babies isn't thriving. Um, some birds will kick that baby out of the nest, and that's why people find baby birds on the ground. What Not all the time. Some fall out, but... Inter- Are we then the only animals that will accept the imperfections of... I think yes. Interesting. I think at a certain point... Because it is survival of for a wild animal. It is. Like, if you can't survive, you're dead. Good luck, yeah. Yeah. Whereas we can actually... I think we... So I feel like the mother or parent animal can typically pick up on an issue before, like, while it's still in the minor That's stages, um, which is why we find failure to thrive rabbits, failure to thrive squirrels, or failure to thrive bunny um, birds, because it's usually kicked out of the nest because it's just going to take more effort for the mother to raise it mm-hmm. than to, you know, 
focus on the healthy babies. So why did this mother dog reject mm. this baby puppy? Maybe the brain tumor. Potentially, <laughs> but we don't know 100% unless yeah. the dog gets an MRI. So I can't say 100% yes or no to this issue. Well, there's so this is, it gets a little weird. Okay. So I took her to the vet to be looked at, stated what I thought was wrong with her, a.k.a. Google said it was a brain tumor, and, and the vet chalked it up to just simply puppy aggression. She was two. Fast forward a few months, and the vacuum cleaner running made her snap. She ripped my arm open to where I needed 30 stitches. That's a lot of stitches. Mm-hmm. Animal control came and got her. I had kids, so I didn't trust her anymore. They asked if they could try to rehabilitate her and send her to a rescue. I was okay with that as long as they informed them of her history. They called me the next day because she stared at a wall for 16 hours straight. Didn't eat. Didn't move. Again, let's just assume she's 100% right. Uh, The guy smacked pots and pans together and she didn't flinch. She was no longer my dog. When they put her down, they did an autopsy and found a brain tumor pressing on the part of the brain that controls behavior. I know he's a professional, but I expressed my concerns and he ignored them. Again, he said it was puppy aggression. I know, uh, sorry, now I have 2K hospital bill instead of a surgery bill for something that was fixable. Eh, Not necessarily true. And I'm kind of devastated. Should I give this vet another chance, or was he wrong with what he did? So my main question here is, before visiting the vet, I did my own research. I got a rough idea of what my pet is experiencing. Why is the vet giving me conflicting info, and how do I know which of those two separate avenues of info to trust? So I think I see where the vet is coming from, because that is a very young age to have a brain tumor. So I feel like he or she was probably like, why would this animal have a brain tumor? What, you know, it's a young, supposedly healthy animal. Um, It's a bully breed, so they're prone to already, you know, aggression and issues like that. So they can chalk it up to needing more training and or, you know, something in the home life. Um. Staring at a wall is obviously not good. Um, yeah. You know, there's certain behaviors where you think neuro. So um, as a doctor, I would have probably, if, as my recommendation, I probably would have recommended um, a trainer, maybe some um, sedation just to you're see. Very, you're very anti-euthanasia for behavioral, behavioral issues. Right? Which... Now, in this case, let's say she's right and there's a brain tumor pressing on the part she of the brain. She should have gotten an MRI. Okay. I feel like that an MRI should have been done. Um, if she was so concerned for a brain tumor, and f- go with your gut feeling. You know you know your animal the best. Obviously, you're not a veterinary professional, but if you seek that and, you know, you still have your doubts, I probably would go with your gut and, you know, do the diagnostic to, you know, confirm that or not. She could have gone and got uh, a second opinion. She could have gone and gotten an MRI um, and a head scan just Mm -hmm. to see, you know. Yeah, instead of waiting until the dog was dead and 
doing that at the autopsy. Exactly. So we could do it while he's alive and maybe fixable. Yeah, now, I don't granted, know. A brain tumor, that's such a, you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. With is the it fixable brain... or not? Who, I don't like, know. You'd have I, to see that. A specialist. Yeah. yeah. I'd refer you to a specialist because yeah. I know nothing about that. Yeah. Um, but that's just like, I would, as a vet, I'd probably chalk it up to lack of training. I'd talk it up to maybe a behaviorist to go see a behaviorist and maybe some um, medication for sedation to help with training if she was having behavioral issues. Some behavioral issues require medication to make it easier for the training or the behaviorist to help with training. Um, I feel a behaviorist probably would have been able to help diagnose a brain tumor as well. Um, Again, stereotyping because it's a bully breed it again they're prone to issues mm-hmm. um behaviorally so i've heard of a real weird thing with pit bulls and specific okay where if you're if the owner is seizing and they're on the ground the pit bulls will like attack and kill the owners who are like having a seizure it's real. I don't know if you heard. I've never but heard that. Real interesting. <laughs> it is a weird thing. I think it's so they do take advantage. Any pretty much any dog that is aggressive will take advantage of a, a thing that is you know down. Mm-hmm. Um, so human, another dog. You know, I feel that is a perfect opportunity to take advantage. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's a weird the facts one. on that. <laughs> like I've seen videos where the dog, like it was like a golden or something, starts seizing, and the pit bull dog runs and jumps on top of it, and they're like, "It's trying to calm the seizure." And you wake him out of his seizure. You can't wake animals out of a seizure. Yeah. Um, that dog is being aggressive and mm-hmm. dominant, and that taking is not advantage. taking advantage of the situation, and that is not a good situation yeah. for the future. If even though the dog did not may have not been the dog, but it met. The dog seizing cannot control itself. Mm-hmm. So if that dog flails and that dog takes it as an attack, that's going to be your seizing dog seizing and a, your other dog attacking it. Yeah. Not situation. A fun, not a fun thing to be yeah, dealing with. Again, survival of the fittest is what dogs are. Savage. Cats are. It's you a know? savage world. I mean. As much as they yeah. adore their housemate, they're going to take advantage of a situation type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, this, this one's interesting because we have a person who owns the animals, but was away for a little bit Mm -hmm. and the animals were neglected. So will my vet believe me that I'm not neglecting my cats? So I'm mostly wondering about when do you, where do you draw the line in the sand to judge a patient or not? So, hello all. I have a question that isn't exactly medical, but it's definitely a question for a vet. I graduated from college last week and got custody of my cats back from my dad after living in dorms for four years. My dad fed them, but that's about it. So my young short hair is now extremely fat, and my 18-year-old Maine Coon, who I've got a couple little Maine Coon mixes, (laughs) uh, so I know I can relate. He's tiny, but he's covered head to toe in mats. They haven't been to the vet in four years. 
I'm taking them next week to get them up to date on their shots and looked at and to have my old lady groomed. But they look terrible. I'm so sad and I'm so self-conscious about it. Will the vet believe me when I tell them that I didn't do this to them and that I'm going to take care of them way better than my dad did? Do you... Do you judge people based on the condition that animals come in or the condition that animals go out? So, Because if you deny treatment, obviously that can be like a... A red flag. Uh, like I judge, maybe judge you I judge the, you a little bit from the... If it's something curable. And, exactly. Um, I judge a little bit. Um, you judge when a pet comes in? I do to a point. Um, obviously, there's two sides to the story, so... Mm-hmm. Once I get the history, I go in before the doctor, I get a history, and they say that, and I that's, I understand that. I love older people. Like here's someone who does care. So this person's trying, at Yeah, least. the animal's yeah. coming in. It's getting seen. It's getting taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, older people, you know, back in the day, dog goes loose, like, they let their dogs out, and they come back at dinner time. Yeah, they used to roam the streets. Exactly. So that's <laughs> a, a mentality of a lot of older people. Um, so the animal eats food and he's fine. If he's eating, he's fine. Yep. And which isn't always the case. Um, so I do judge that the animal's in that condition, but I understand the situation. Okay. Um, obviously, you know, if the animal keeps coming back in that condition and there's no improvement, then I start to get a little skeptical, skeptical of the owner. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really based on the situation. Uh, we have people who come in with animals who cannot be groomed by groomers because they weren't socialized properly or desensitized properly as a puppy. Um, so you get a Maltese, and it's never been groomed in its life, and now it's a mad mess, and it won't let anyone groom it. Mm-hmm. They have to get sedated to be groomed. Like, they get yearly sedated to be shaved down. They don't get a nice groom. They get shaved to the skin. Um, and then we see that animal every, like, year, every couple of years for the same thing. Um, that's more on the owner where they didn't, they get the animal, they get an animal and don't, like, realize it requires the actual care that it needs. Like, yeah, long-haired know. dogs need to be groomed every six to eight weeks. And the groomer is such a routine thing. And you, you know, got to get them used positive. to it, exactly, yeah. when they're younger so they, that they're, set up for success if you don't do that and then you'd bring them in and they they're grooming and it hurts because they're pulling mats out like it's setting up a negative experience for a groomer and your dog never wants to go to the groomer and then it bites or tries to bite and the groomer won't take it because they can't muzzle they don't muzzle at groomers um for liability reasons because the animal can overheat because it's so stressed and then the animal comes in and we have to sedate it fully to be able to shave it down and that's always a risk itself because it has to go under anesthesia yeah same thing some dogs need sedation for nail trims like it's they didn't some dogs just really don't like it and even if they did it when they were puppies some dogs just hate it that much because they had a bad experience it's crazy and it sucks but but they hold that trauma they hold the trauma like i said they remember their they're present and they're past. They don't look forward to the future. Yeah. So whenever that nail trim comes in, they're like, my I past. <laughs> yeah. And we're pretty good about that too. Humans, I feel, are pretty good at remembering the negative 
Oh yeah. Like putting the positive a bit to the side. Exactly. So. You remember the trauma before the the positive. Mm-hmm. All right. So two more like Reddit stories. Okay. This one, I don't know enough about the vets to even begin. So why will they let pets die at the vet if you can't afford the treatment when they don't do that at human hospitals? I was just wondering about this after I had an experience bringing my cat to the ER. Emergency vet. Excuse me. He needed to be unblocked right away or he would die. They let him suffer while I called everyone I knew to beg for a ton of money that I didn't have at the moment. Luckily, someone helped. I just think it's kind of cruel that they were just going to let him die in the waiting room if I couldn't give them money right away. I obviously understand billing me afterwards, but up front? Like if someone homeless is found dying on the street, the hospital doesn't say, yeah, he doesn't have money, we're just going to let him die. Just curious why it's different. And there's like an asterisk. I'm not saying you vets and vet techs are responsible. I know you work hard. My issue was with the receptionist who treated me coldly. And more importantly, that there is no funding for animals. So, there's a lot to this. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a There is funding for animals. Um, there's something called, like, hope funds. So, mm-hmm. if you have no money, you have you got declined from care credit. Um, it's called hope funds and for a chance to help potentially save your animal. Um, a lot of times, an animal comes in for a sick visit, and you've never seen this animal before, so they're not a known client. Mm-hmm. Um, so, billing you after we may never see you again type of thing so you may never pay for those services um a lot of doctors just require a deposit not usually everything up front um that situation is dire so it's better to be soon seen and get unblocked was that a uti so probably not a uti um i mean it can it could be a you know, a secondary from a UTI, but um, pretty much where they can't urinate. And if you can't urinate for more than, so if your male cats don't urinate for more than 24 hours, that's an emergency situation because their bladder could explode internally. So that's a super, it's typically male cats because. What's blocking it? Typically like a, a crystal or a stone. Also something hardens up. Okay. Yeah. Um, sludgy urine blocks it. Um, so that's a true emergency. What would cause something like that? Diet? Genetic diet and, um, stress. If they're stressed, they can be prone to it. So some cats, after leaving the vet clinic after a primary care visit, can get blocked. Just from being stressed? Yeah. It's typically male animals that it's dire because females have a wider opening. It's very rare for a female to get blocked, but male... Dogs and cats are more prone to it, typically cats, um, because they have a small ureter, urethra. Um, hmm. So that's an emergency, Damn. a real emergency situation yeah. that needs to be seen ASAP. Um, so typically... That, that kills you? i got to imagine that kills Oh, yeah, if your cat, bladder like, ruptures in, internally... Is that what d- that is? Yeah, you get sepsis... Um, that's not an immediate death then, huh? That's a... a pain. It's super painful. So if a cat's blocked, they're very painful yeah. to touch. 
Um, it, it's sad. It, yeah. It's, it's a really crappy situation. Um, I do f- understand, you know, the way to, like, trying to get everything. Um, obviously, the, the, the doctors want to help your pet. The techs want to help your pet. But policies, they have to follow policies. Uh, that's one of the things, like, private practice, you may be able to get away with, like, a payment plan mm-hmm. um, if they offer emergency services like that. But, like, a, a corporate um, hospital or ER they have they have to within their policy to either accept a deposit or payment of some sort um like i said there is hope funds there's care credit there's you know hopefully if you had your pen insur- on insurance that helps um but it for those type of situations we do also understand and we also feel horrible during the time that we have to wait for to figure out what's going on. Yeah, it's not like you're a robot who has no feelings. feelings yeah, no, though. we feel exactly the same as you. We feel crappy. We feel that's another reason for burnout and mm-hmm. compassion fatigue. We yeah. care so much that we're fatigued from it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why yeah, we get into totally the field. Like, I don't want to say that that individual's feelings are not important because that's their animal. Yeah. But you're dealing. That's we're one, dealing that with that it as only, well. That's only one animal you've dealt with that entire day. Exactly. You know, and that you and I see. While you don't have the same relationship, yeah. you still care. I still care. That's why I'm in this field. <laughs> yeah. I care for the animals. I'm here for the animals. I may not. I I'm not here for the owners. I'm here for the animals. Mm-hmm. I will support owners, but I'm not. I'm not there be specifically for the owners. I'm here for the animals. Which is funny because that's my whole philosophy with my dog photography. Yeah. When I do this sled dog racing, for instance. Yeah. There, I see pictures. So to get a little nerdy with photography, a shorter focal length means mm-hmm. you get a wider field of view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you got a 35, like we're shooting on a 50 millimeter right now. Mm-hmm. If we doubled that, well, it would be twice as, you know, zoomed in. Um, What was I talking about? I don't even remember. Um, You were talking about the zoom. Yeah, what was that relating to? <laughs> oh, so the, sorry, the dog photography. So I could use a really wide fo- or short focal length and capture, say, the uh, musher and the whole a range of dogs and get a really nice picture, like of the trail, the person, the. But like for me, I focus on like the dogs. I want to get zoomed in real close and focus on like the animal. The animal. That's yeah. where my pride comes from. Not from like. I'm the same way. You and like I just care. I about care the about dog. you. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see your animal. Yeah, that's just yeah. Um, you've talked about bloat quite a few times here. Mm-hmm. Repeat bloat. Have you ever heard of any? Is that like a thing? It or is. So? Yeah. Okay. So I vets wondering if you experience recurrent bloat with when again bloat is what the stomach's basically it sealing be, itself off. So the stomach is flipping. And closing itself off. Yeah. It so doesn't even have to come be... in or out. Exactly. And it doesn't even have to be the stomach. It can be different internal organs. It can be a lung. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be pretty much anything that's, like, loose in the body. Okay. Hmm. 
Uh, and it can be called torsion too. Not necessarily okay. bloat. The stomach is what the bloating part because of the air that's trapped in there and stuff like that. Gotcha. So on Sunday, our 18-month St. Bernard, and I know, ooh, excuse me, I know you mentioned it's typically the larger and deeper chested. So St. Bernard, the, yeah. <laughs> had an emergency gastropexy. Yep. I said that right? Wow. Gastropexy surgery due yep. to bloat and twisting stomach slash spleen. What the yep. heck is, does the spleen do? Um, it filters toxins. Okay. So that's something that has an input and output, and it got twisted. Okay. Yeah. A so lot of times when they bloat, they do tear their spleen or rupture their spleen or torsion their spleen. Huh. Is that, uh, does that mean that if you ruin your spleen, just toxins are, like, building up? Or Not necessarily. They can still process things you can live without a spleen um but internally when it's in there and it's either ruptured or torsioned it's not good Mm because it can cause sepsis and infection um my aunt's uh son's dog actually uh, had um gvd so gastric dilated volvulus which is bloat um so his stomach flipped uh this summer, and he had to go. I sent her right to the ER because I, I happened to walk outside, and she's like, What's wrong with him? And I'm like, These are all classic signs of bloat, mm-hmm. so you have to go right now. It's life or death. You gotta go right now. What a scary um, thing to hear. Yeah, and um, he tore his spleen, and I think he had some of it removed as well. Hmm. Um, and then today, actually, my grandmother, who has a German, a litter meat from that German Shepherd, had her spade on, and she got preemptively um, stapled so her stomach won't flip. Doesn't mean they're not prone to bloat still. They can still bloat, but the stomach oh. won't flip. So it's not as emergent, but it's, it's still... Like anchored. It is. They anchor it to the um, rib cage. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> the more <Wow>. you know. <laughs> that's crazy. That's... I mean, that's awesome. So usually if you spay your deep-chested large breed or even small breed, there's deep-chested small breeds, um, you can ask if your doctor does gastropexies. Not every doctor does gastropexies, um, but you can do it as a preemptive thing for um, if you were to spay neuter since they're already going under. Why not? Mm -hmm. You can even do it without spay neuter. Just go in for a gastropexy, um, which is the tacking of the stomach. Okay. So we had an emergency tacking of the stomach. And that's a <laughs> lot more expensive. Let's just say that. Than like that, preemptive. Then, yeah. To do it preemptively, it's thousands cheaper. Okay. Um, he recovered at the vet for almost a week, still has slightly elevated liver levels and low red blood count, but both are trending improvements. Exactly two weeks after... Uh, on this past Sunday, he bloated again. We rushed him back to the ER, and because he didn't show twisting on x-rays, we left him there to see what would happen. He released the bloat on his own. So he bloated, but he didn't, his stomach, nothing twisted. So like I said, bloating 
is still emergent, but isn't as dire as the the volvulus, the torsion. Because okay. he, at this point, I, his, right, he's he already had, he's been stable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Shiloh actually had it as a puppy. He bloated. Oh, that must have scared the hell out of Oh, yeah. I thought he twisted. So we he was. Terrified. Oh, yeah. I think he was like four or five months old. Um, he just ate. I let him out to go to the bathroom. Cause, heart rate, like, oh, yeah. 3,000. I was dying. <laughs> I I was having my own aneurysm at heart attack. Yeah. Torsion of my own going <laughs> on. Um, but. I brought him into the emergency room because I thought he torsioned because he had a little bit. He, I let him out to go to the bathroom and he got zoomies. Mm-hmm. For his breed, they're not typically supposed to exercise within a half hour to an hour after eating because they're prone to torsion mm-hmm. or blow or volvulus. Um, so I brought him out. He got zoomies and he vo- immediately vomited. And that's one of the signs of torsion. So GVD. Um, and he looked a little bloated to me. And he was super uncomfortable and restless. And he didn't want to lay down. So all the typical signs. So I immediately brought him to the ER. And it's very extremely rare for a puppy to get torsion. Mm-hmm. Um, torsion meaning what? Twi- the stomach twisting? Flips. Yeah, okay. the twisting part. Um, so what's, they did. What's blow without the twisting then? The a air. Not oh. a blockage, but the buildup of air and so food. an air bubble that can't basically like escape. Yeah. Escape. Okay. And um, it's typically after eating a large amount of food, stuff like that, and exercise, it can cause it. Um, I so like I said, I was worried about him having a GVD, so I immediately brought him in. I rushed him in. This is back when I couldn't even go back in the hospital. Um, it's the hospital now <laughs> that I work at. Yeah. Um. And uh, they they did x-rays, and he didn't have signs of GVD, but he did have um, pockets of air. So um, they that case, he was able to do release the air naturally, and um, I, I, he got sent home. I waited. There, this was a time where, like I said, COVID, you couldn't go in. You had to wait in your car. Um, they tell you to go home. I'm like, I'm literally waiting here. So yeah, yeah. yeah okay, I'm I'm home. Yeah, <laughs> you're just out in the park and like. Oh no, I told him I was waiting. I I would not be leaving without my dog. Yeah. I'm one of those type of clients, and yeah. I hate those type of clients. <laughs> <Come with me. laughs> um, I'm my I'm my own worst enemy here. Um, but I waited, and uh, they sent him home. And I stayed awake the whole night to monitor him. So you just said it, and they also said it. He released the bloat on his own. Does that mean he just farts the air out, basically? Not here, like farts. Like, he can either, you know, release it through his esophagus or through his GI tract. Um, they thought he did it. He bloated because he ate more than normal, um, which I don't think he did. I don't think I fed him any differently than I normally did. But exercise can trigger, if he swallows a lot of air while he's running around, can trigger it after eating. Um, And that's part of the reason why people are so concerned with bloats, because while you're running around after you just ate, your stomach's more likely to rock back and forth and potentially flip. Mm -hmm. Even if your dog's, like, just chilling, laying on its, you know, some dogs sleep on their backs. Shiloh sleeps on his back, and it kills me every time, but I can't get him to stop. Um, (laughs) Just rolling back and forth on his back can cause bloat 
or not bloat, but GVD. So the whole torsion of the stomach. Just thinking about that. Bailey sleeps on her back a lot. And border collies, I would say, do have a deep Is that something? They're not as deep. So I'm not as concerned for border collies, but every dog can be prone to it. Um, Rolling around like crazy. Yeah. So so they said, uh, yeah, he released the bloat of his own. Any suggestions to prevent him bloating again? We do three smaller meals a day. Mm-hmm. Calm for 30 minutes after eating. You just said an hour. I I prefer an hour just because it's safer. Yeah, and they say puzzle bowl, question mark, which I personally love anyway. The little yeah, puzzle bowls is, yeah. makes them eat slower, so they're not gobbling food down and inhaling mm-hmm. as they eat because they swallow air when they goz- gobble all their food down. Um, some people will even feed on, like, a cookie tray, just like a flat tray. Okay. Um, if you don't want to do a puzzle bowl and it slows them down because it's, it's flat, mm-hmm. um, that's a they good way. Just like yeah, fill their mouth. Oh yeah, <laughs> inhale their food literally. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, one of my clients has a dog. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> all right, I call him the King Cock. Oh my he's goodness. A, he's a King Charles and Cocker Spaniel mix. Yeah. So I call him King Cock. <laughs> a little Teddy. He's got cherry eye. Okay. Um, I don't know how old he is, but he's had it for at least like three or four years. Okay. Um, I think I read online that if you don't get it fixed, it can lead to like the eye being dried out. Yeah, you can is that get something he um, should dry he's, eye. He's not sure if he should get it removed or not removed. I recommend it because it can cause dry eye. It can cause um, corneal ulcers, which are super painful. Um. And discharge, build up, stuff like that. Yeah, he usually has a lot of, like, green, snotty-looking. Yeah, yeah. brown is normal, green is gross. Okay. So anytime your dog has green discharge, it's gross, which means it should be treated. Like an infection. Exactly. Um, The surgery itself is not always 100% because it can come back. Okay. Um. But I do recommend it because it prevents those issues, which cost you more like down the line. Of life exactly, quality of life improvement. Um, the medications typically add up pretty quick, so it's easier to save for the surgery than to not do the surgery. And you know, a lot of times they it doesn't come back. It's just there is a possibility that it can come back, mm-hmm. um, and it's just removing that membrane. Um, so gross. I've seen the surgery yeah. so many times. Yeah. Um, but I do recommend it. Okay. Awesome. Well, that that's the end of my questions that I've got. Um, unless you have anything else to add. I don't think I have anything else. All right. Well, we do. Hey, whoa. <laughs> Three hours. That's a good one. Uh, that's the longest uh, one, I think. Yeah. No, that's good, though, because it was all, like, good conversation. Yeah. So. Catch up for the last two weeks. Exactly, yeah. It's been two weeks. You had a great two weeks in Hawaii. And I'm happy for you because uh, even though my dogs don't have many issues yet, I don't have to frequent the vet often except for my annuals. But I very much appreciate just like... Because your job... Your job isn't a job that you've been working, like, 
it's such an accumulative job. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how long have you been working there? Or doing, like, vet type? 2014. So I'm two years from 10 years. Wow. And no. I started in exotics and wildlife. And then in 2017, 2018, I went to dog and cat. Yeah. Just dedicated to, like, helping. and. Yeah, and I had no knowledge when I started for dog and cat. I started while I was still in high school as, like, Mm -hmm. a humanities project to um, work at the Wildlife Center, um, intern there, and that just progressed to me rehabbing and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Yeah, but thank you. Seriously, like, not, like, just... I don't know. I love anyone that helps animals. It's <laughs> awesome. So, um, all right. Well, hopefully we gave you lots of content since yeah. we were gone for two weeks. And if you have uh, any questions, we can try to answer. I am not a vet, so I can't diagnose your pet, nope. but um, I can give you my best recommendations as I do daily for a lot of people. So I'm okay with that. And obviously, if in doubt. Go to your vet. And if like, in doubt, go like to your the... vet or to the ER. Um, and then also when you're trying to find a doctor, making sure you build a relationship with that doctor or a couple doctors that are at that practice. Be aware that not, that doc- one doctor may not always be available. Um, some doctors only work certain days a week and you have an urgent question. You know, that doctor may not be available, but another. So build a, a repu- uh, not reputation, but a relationship with um, a couple doctors at the same practice that you decide to go to, whether it be private or corporate. Um, that way you have people you can trust and feel comfortable with and even get second opinions within the same hospital so you don't have to go to another hospital. Perfect. Um, I guess we will see you next week. Yes, next week. Alrighty, thank you uh, for taking the time to listen to us bumble. <laughs> we very <laughs> As much always, appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> yeah, we did it. Hey, three hours.